Want to hear the greatest street story ever told in 60 seconds? Meet Kane Garrett, a tall, handsome, smooth, calculated criminal turned drug kingpin. He had buildings, stores, businesses, and was a king amongst his people. He controlled the whole black market. Then it all crumbled when the feds came in and tossed him in jail for tax evasion, so he was locked down for seven years. While incarcerated, he studied business and got his master's degree. This only made him a smarter criminal. Once he got out, he became a college professor. He was on the lookout for a young protege to start his new improved street business. That's when he found Basil, a young hustler out of Flint, Michigan, and gave him all the game and knowledge to move tons and tons of unstepped-on cocaine. He plugged young Basil in with a cocaine connect, and they began to get money. A lot of money. Kane and Basil grew a great bond and were getting rich together. Kane had a beautiful daughter, and she was his pride and joy. Kane forbid any of his partners or crew to ever get involved with her. However, Basil fell victim to her beauty. They started a secret love affair behind his back. This is when the plot thickens. She is murdered, and the blood is on the hands of Basil. This starts a street war that shakes up the entire city. The city was on fire and chaos erupted. Shootouts, kidnappings, lies and double crossings. Teacher versus student. Basil versus Kane. Find out what happens in the new book by New York Times bestseller Jaquavis Coleman in The Streets Have No King. Available for pre-order at Amazon.com, Walmart and Barnes & Noble. Order your copy today. Yo, Internet, this is the Combat Jack Show. This is your man, Combat Jack. Listen, King, what's up, man? What's going on, bro? Um, bro. I'm telling the Internet, I'm being very transparent with the Internet, man. Like, we've been stacking up interviews over the past several weeks, right? So, like, we haven't been in the studio in about two weeks. That's a, that's a fact. It yes. feels kind of weird, man. Like, I feel kind of stiff and shit with this, man. It's like we off our, we off our schedule a little bit. We off our Dean, man. Internet, what's up, y'all, man? Listen. Y'all niggas keep supporting us and loving us, man. Yeah. And I really appreciate that, man. Thank you. Um, we, we have any announcements before we jump into this, man? May 19th, ATL. ATL, what's going on in ATL, man? Combat Jack Show Live, man. Bird in, yeah. in, in ATL? In the A. We coming Word? back to the A. Internet. Looking forward to it. Atlanta. Y'all know what that is, Atlanta. Yo. <laughs> um, anything else, man? Jonathan Mena is in Japan right now, man. John, shout out to Jonathan Mena. He's out in Japan. Uh, he he uh, tweeted that there's no adobo out there. No adobo. Unfortunately, there's a lot of miso and uh, soy sauce. I think it's dope, though, man, that that, <laughs> that, that dude's kid is on um, spring break. Yes. And he decided he was going to take his family for vacation. Yes. To Tokyo, man. Like, who does that? Good fathers. Good fathers, Good husbands. Right? Yeah, good husbands, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's dope, man. Yo, Internet, apologies for this episode coming out two days late. We don't ever do that. But like I said, man, we haven't been on our schedule. Yeah. I've been very, 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 very busy with this um, Chris Lighty project, which comes out on the 27th. Um, and I think you guys will be very satisfied with that, man. We are definitely raising the bar. But fuck all that, man. Let's let's get to the bottom of this, man. Right now, we got a very special guest on the Combat Jack Show. I think this is his third time. 
Yeah. On the Combat Jack show. Yep. Because we did one early on. Then we did the when collab- nobody was fucking with us. Yep. <laughs> and then we did the collaboration episode. With yes, the sir. Yes, yep. sir. Yep. The third no, time. then you came. No, this, then this is the fourth time. Fourth time. Because this is this. Yeah. Because you've been on our show. This is the third time. Before. Oh yeah. And we was at premiere when yep. we was yeah. doing yeah, allegedly. No, this, this this is the third time. <laughs> I remember the first time. Yeah. The se- you did the second time too. Okay. Internets. Without further ado, let's welcome to the Combat Jack Show. Mr. Charlotte McGain. Yo. Charlotte McGain. Charlemagne the God. Combat, thank you for having me, my brother. Man, thank you for coming through, man. Hey, man, I'd love to be here. I had to hit you up and say, Combat, I got to come do the show. My book comes out on the 18th. Yes. You know I listen to the Jack Combat Jack Show all the time. Yes, sir. You've been raising the bar the past few weeks. Thank you. (laughs) You know what I mean? The past couple months. Thank you. Actually. Thank you. So I'm like, I had to come sit down with Combat. Um, Are you focused on becoming the king of all media? the next king of all media, because you've already conquered radio. You have left your mark indelibly on television. Mm-hmm. You've, you've definitely left your mark <coughs> in the podcast game. Mm-hmm. You have this book coming out, which is already slated, hopefully, to be a bestseller. Mm-hmm. You've, been, you've done a couple of movies, mm-hmm. right? Like, are, are you slated to be the next king of media, sir? If that's, all media? If that's what God got planned. You okay. know, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, I've always, people always ask me, you know, what do I want to do? I always say I want to be like, um, I just want to be a multimedia mogul, you know? But I don't want to be a multimedia mogul just for the sake of being a multimedia mogul. Like, I want to have access to those platforms because I want to be able to get the messages out there that I think people need to hear. Right. You know what I mean? And even if it's not me giving those messages, just getting voices on that can deliver those messages. Because, like, what's it with Malcolm X? Malcolm X, the, uh, you know, person who controls the media controls controls the mind of the masses. Of course, kinda, of course. You know what I mean? So I, 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 I want it for that aspect, not for just the... Just say, hey, I'm the king of all media. Yeah. Like, just what's, what's, that, what's that mean if you're not doing nothing with the platforms? I'm glad that you bring that up, man, because a lot of people don't know. They see you usually in front of the camera mm-hmm. or um, they hear you in front of the mic, but they don't know that you're like a, a playmaker. They don't know that you have a lot of people out there that you've put into the game. Yeah, I like throwing assists way more than scoring points. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love to shoot a three and score, you know, but I... I, I get the thrill off throwing the assists. Like, that's the dope shit. The yeah. dope shit is when you find somebody who actually has talent. You find somebody who's moving the needle, who's got that energy, and you're like, yo, I think they got something. And then everybody else tells you, no, nah, they don't. And you're like, no, I think they got it. And then they get put in that position, and then they win. And then everybody acts like they knew that that was going to be the shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What is it about talent that, that resonates with you, that when you see it and nobody else sees it, what resonates with you? Um, I kind of like people... I kind of like people that were like me in a sense. And I don't mean like just as far as what I do. I'm just talking about like as far as like the story. They come from places that you may not know people come from. Like I come from Monk's Corner, South Carolina, and you know, they're just they're just interesting. Like just a di- they see they got a different type of worldview, a different type of POV. You may agree with it, you may disagree with it, but they just make you think in some way, shape, or form. Like those are the people that those are the transformative figures I feel like actually shift culture. You know, the ones that make you just look at things from all perspectives, angles, right, right? All different perspectives, yeah. Is it difficult, man, to, to to get somebody to see you for you to see them from a different perspective? Because cause to me, I'm pretty locked in my perspective. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's very hard for me to see somebody else's perspective. Is, no, it, hard, is it hard for you to see nah, other, other I, people's I, perspective? I got, I got a principle in my book, and uh, the principle is give people the credit they deserve for being stupid, right. including yourself. <laughs> and that's basically saying the know-it-all knows nothing. Yes. Like, you know, you, I, I'm too I'm too dumb. Oh, to, God, the know-it-alls know nothing. Yeah, I'm too, I'm too dumb to be closed-minded. <laughs> yeah. Like, seriously, I, I, got, I have to remain open-minded because right. I'm too dumb to be closed-minded. I can't be stuck in my ways because I know I don't know everything. So I, I'm, I'm always listening to new people and, 
taking in new information. I'm receptive to new information. I want to go home and research things after I hear somebody talking about something. I feel like that's how you grow. That's how you evolve. Okay. Well, let's talk about this book, man. Black Privilege, Opportunity <coughs> Comes to Those Who Create It. Absolutely. Congratulations, man. How did this Thank come you. about? I mean, it's something that I've had on my vision board for years because, you know, my mother was an English teacher. And, like, for me, reading is what helped me to transcend my circumstances. You know, I, um, I came up... You know, my mother was Jehovah Witness too, so I came up reading Watchtowers and Awakes, and then my mother she was would, Jehovah Witness. Jehovah Witness, and then my mom would tell me to read things that don't pertain to me, so I'd be reading like Beverly Clearly and Judy Bloom books, and then you know, my father was a witness too, but my father was in the Islam, so he was the one like mm. his message to the black man by Elijah Muhammad, his autobiography of Malcolm X. So I was always constantly reading, and then you know, when when you get into hip hop. Oh, when you study in the 5% teachings of, 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 of Islam, you know, one of the first books you get is from Niggas to Gods yes. by Akil, which I love. That changes your whole perspective on everything. And then, you know, when you get into hip-hop, you start hearing about different books, 48 Laws of Power. You hear Jay-Z reference The Seed of the Soul by Gary Zukov. You start reading all this the stuff. The Art of War. Art of War Sun by Sun Tzu. Like, you just start taking all of this stuff in. So it's like I always wanted to write a book because, for me, hip-hop music and literature is what gave me that imagination to dream bigger than the dirt road that I was on in Monk's Corner. So I always wanted to write a book. Always. My whole existence, I always wanted to write a book. I want to read this quote that you, that you wrote, man about this book. I wrote this for the dreamers, for the optimists. This book isn't for pessimists. This book is about embracing who you are and what you are, regardless of race, gender, sexuality, and class. God gave you the privilege of this thing called life, so regardless of what the society tells you that you can't do and what you don't have to understand, you lack nothing. God gave you everything you need to succeed. Let's talk about that. Absolutely. I mean, you know, that's like the whole concept of black privilege is a play on the term White privilege. Yes. And you know, white privilege is very real. Yes. You know, it's funny because I think about when me and you sat here, like, how long ago was that? Four about or five? About, about two, three, three, three and a half, nah, four years ago. longer than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it, was, it, was, it was like about a year before Black Lives Matter. About a year before yeah. Black Lives Matter. And I was one of those people that was like uh, in the whole haze of Barack Obama. So I wasn't really accepting the whole concept of white privilege. I knew it existed. Right. But I just knew, like, I'm not letting that shit stop me right. at all. But we know white privilege is very, very, very real. But I think that one thing that happens, especially with the white privilege, and you talk about white supremacy, and especially now, like, you, it's racist. I mean, it's, Donald it's, Trump is, on, is, a, the bi is the fucking main product absolutely, it's of white privilege. Absolutely. Racism, bigotry everywhere. But I think sometimes that gives us a black inferiority complex, mm. you know, and it makes us feel like we're lesser than. So what I'm saying with black privilege is, number one, first and foremost, it's a privilege to be black. It's a privilege and it's an honor to be black. Your black skin is not a burden. Your black skin is not a liability. Your black skin is your strength. That's number right. one. And I'm saying that, you know, when you talk about white privilege, you're talking about something systemic. When you talk about black privilege, to me, you're talking about something spiritual. Right. I feel like we're more in tune with a divine system that helps us to prosper in spite of everything that we've faced here in this country. Because, I mean, if you think about it, what else did slaves have? What else did they have with during you know the civil rights era when they was fighting segregation? What else did they have to lean on other than a higher power? Right. So I feel like that's what their, we, their sense of compassion, their sense of intuition, absolutely, their sense of innovation, absolutely, the sense of creating, absolutely. when you had nothing, creating when you have nothing. And that's what I feel like we are. I just feel like I grew up on, <clears throat> I grew up with, you know, black pride, right, black power. You know, uh, to, to black man is God, black women are queens, black men are kings. Like, I grew up on that. So I feel like, you know, with that, that title, black privilege, like, why are we giving white people all the power? Right. Like, we, they got what they got, no doubt. Right. 
But what, we special too. Now let me ask you something, man. In, in, our, in our past conversations, and I was thinking about it today, man. I definitely understand what you mean. I definitely think that 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 we as black people are definitely gifted. You know, with with something that other people aren't gifted with. Absolutely. I'm not taking anything away from other people because I think everybody's gifted with something. Yeah. But the concept of privilege is kind of scary, because the I mean, I, I was reading the, the 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 dictionary today and it said privilege is a right or immunity granted as a particular benefit, advantage, or favor, such as immunity attached to a position or an office. And then it's so, a, but it's another definition with that. Which, which is it says that uh, it's it's a it's a rare opportunity and like something you're happy to be it's right after that yes, one it's yes. right it's that one okay. which i say is the systemic one right and then i think the second one is a lot more spiritual i think that you know listen it's i don't care what nobody say i just feel like it's a it's a special thing to be black yes, it we is just different it in is combat. no oh, no 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 let, let me tell you man not to cut you off mm -hmm. when i was in high school before i went to high school i never i was never around white people so when i got to high school it was my first time around white people and I felt sorry for them because I was like, damn, they don't have the flavor. Like, and I like my unseasoned chicken. I had so much <laughs> compassion for white people. I was like, damn. You know what I'm saying? My, yeah. And then when I went to college and seen motherfuckers in Porsches and Ferraris, I was like, wait a minute. They run this planet? Like, what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? It yeah, threw me yeah. off, man. But so I understand what you mean about a certain gift. You know, but I think you also, don't you think it's dangerous in this time where a lot of whites are complaining about black privilege in the wrong way. Mm -hmm. And and when they see your book, don't you think that it gives them ammunition to be like, well, that's what we're talking about. Affirmative action. We can't say the word nigga. Why is there a black history month? That's black privilege. You know what I'm saying? Like they, it's, I Yeah, I mean, I don't even look at, I'm not even talking about that right. kind of privilege. Like I'm right. just talking about the privilege of, this is my thing, right? The easiest way to keep, up, keep people down is to make them feel like they're lesser than. And yes. that's what they've done throughout the beginning of time. Like, honestly, what black privilege is, is knowledge itself. Yes. Like, if you open up the inside of the book cover, I have, you know, these, these kids and they're poor and disenfranchised, and you can tell that they're not in the best state of mind. But in the second, uh, the, the second part of that picture, it shows them, like, just studying. They're studying their ancestral greatness. They're learning who they are. They're getting reconnected again with their roots. And then in the third frame, they're superheroes. Cause I feel like that's what we were from the beginning of yes. time. We're superheroes, but I feel like we came over here and got stripped of everything. Yes. And that's why they always say you gotta learn knowledge yourself, learn who you are. I feel like right now in this day and time, especially when you talk to these kids, man, they have no knowledge yourself whatsoever. I spoke at a uh, SUNY Old Westbury last night. Young boy stood up and he was like, "You know, Charlemagne, I love everything you're saying, but you know, when we live in this era where..." You know, police can just pull us over and, you know, gun us down and nothing happens. And, you know, you look at Donald Trump and the way he treats people. He's like, man, how do you just keep Damn. your faith? Right. That's what he said to me. He said, how do you just keep your faith? And that's exactly what this system is designed to do. It's, it's designed break down, break to you oppress down. you. It's right. designed to break you down. It's designed to make you feel lesser than. So you have to constantly tell yourself, yo, no, I am great. Think about it. I studied 5% teachings when I was younger. Yes, sir. The black man had to tell himself he was God in He's America. God. Yes, sir. Just to just to wake up and and do anything. Just to wake up and live. Just to feel like I, I just to get by. You gotta tell yourself that you're God. Think about that. So that's but but, but on certain days, my nigga. You feel I that do way. feel like I'm going to be walking down Fifth Absolutely. Avenue and Absolutely. you cannot tell me when Absolutely. I'm in that zone mm. that I'm not God. 
But Absolutely. The, but these kids don't have that connection now either. Nope. You know what I'm saying? So nope. the, his point of reference was the 5% teachings. Right. Um, a lot of these kids are not, they, they don't have access to that anymore. Right. Even though it's, some of those uh, uh, portals are still there, they're not oh, emphasized. But what happened to the 5% nation, man? I don't know, man. That's a good question. Because coming up, it was in everything. It was in all our music. 5% nation. In, I mean, I was never God. They body, got older. But it inspired me. It inspired me. It inspired me to be like, okay, let me think outside the box. Right. How are these cats so cool? How are these cats so up on the lingo yep. and the fashion and the music? Yep. And they're talking this scientifical, mystical knowledge yep. shit. You know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. telling all of these kids, man, go buy from niggas to God. Mm. Buy yes. kill. Yeah. That's right. Part one and part two, and read both of those books. It just gives you a different perspective. And I feel like, you know, a lot of us just have to change our mind state because I honestly do feel like our thoughts become things. And I feel yes. like, I, I really feel like, yo, man, listen, white people have been co-opting stuff from us for years. I mean, from day one. So let's take some of Ever since we bought plumbing and sewage and everything, <laughs> exactly. from Carthage to the exactly. front, you know what I'm saying? So, like, so if we use the term white privilege yes. as like this big emboldened term and put them on a pedestal, then let's, we, let's take black privilege and say that for us and put ourselves on this same pedestal. But, That's how I feel. But, but let me ask you something. Because white privilege is real. Yes. And it's systemic. And it's actually you know, leading to us dying and losing our lives mm -hmm. and, and not having a lot of rights. Do you think by addressing it and calling it out and pointing it out that it, that it takes away from our natural attributes, that it takes away from the, you know, the God-given attributes it that depends. we have? It depends. Yeah. It depends. Like, yeah. you know, like, like I told the dude, I was, I was doing an interview with Nightline yesterday, and I told him, I said, in no way, shape, or form am I trying to negate white privilege. Yes. White privilege is very real. Yes. Nor am I trying to let white people off the hook, yes. you know, for the oppression that they've caused many communities in America. But for me, all I'm saying is we have to constantly remind each other that we are special too. Yes. That we have a divine privilege as well. Because if we keep constantly saying, oh yeah, there's white privilege, there's white, but what are we doing to reinforce our own of greatness? Course, of course, of like, course. I, I really think it breeds a black inferiority. Complex. I mean, and I, and I see what you mean by that because if you don't have knowledge of self and you all you see is white privilege, yeah. then then that's all you see. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Let, let me ask you, man. We, we did have this conversation a couple years ago, man. What changed in terms of your full understanding of, of white privilege, man. Just just life. It's, I mean, it, it's, not, it's, it's, it's things that I always knew. Because like I said, I grew up studying 5% teachings. My father was always Elijah Muhammad, Malcolm X, Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. I've sat with the minister many times. But I really think it was the, I was caught up in the haze of Barack Obama. Like, like symbolism is very important. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Like, because if you, if you know the history of this country, a black president was a huge deal. I mean, it was impossible. E either, either one or two things happened. Either the either the consciousness of the country changed, or he's really a Manchurian candidate. Yes. <laughs> one, <laughs> if you're a conspiracy a theorist, said Manchurian right candidate. Up. One yeah. of the, it's one of the two. So I, I was one of those people that chose to think <clears throat> the consciousness of the country had changed. But then you started seeing things like George Zimmerman. You're like, all right, that's an isolated incident. Yeah. Uh, he's just some crazy ass dude. Saw Trayvon. That could happen. But then it was the constant police shooting. Eric Garner. And Eric shit. Garner, Mike Brown. It, and I really think that was some social engineering shit. I said that, I said that on the show, on Combat Jack show, on this show maybe a few years ago. I said I feel like they was planting seeds of racism in a generation that wasn't even thinking about it. And I really think that's what happened with all of the with all of the police shootings. Like, cause we haven't seen any in a while. Right. But last year, back to back to back you, to back for like three years straight. But once again, I think. I think I blame, and not specifically, but I blame the phenomena of Barack Obama. Because if you're going to believe that you're greater than, and in this, 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 this fallacy, this dream, mm -hmm. this religion, that's white supremacy. When you see a black president, 
it fucks up a lot of people's wiring. Yeah. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so when Barack got elected, yeah. I thought the next day mm. we were going to see it. I thought the next day we were going to yeah. see mad lynchings and church burnings and the whole nine. But it took a while. And I think, I think that what you're talking about right now, the police... You think the media did that on purpose? And, I what, and, and what I mean by that is like Barack's in the White House, right? right? So all of us immediately felt empowered. I mean, I think, I we, mean, I think all of us naturally, organically felt a certain way. We felt empowered. I mean, I think it was, it was. I mean, we can't take away from the fact that many of us teared up. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Many, many of us felt white and black. We were saying and we, we gonna, overcame. We, can, we overcame. We could tell our kids you could be anything. Some white man out there was like, but no, 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 Subconsciously, no, it was, like, it's a wave that started resonating yeah. with motherfuckers that couldn't stand the, 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 the Confederate flag yeah. coming down yeah. or couldn't stand seeing LGBTQ mm-hmm. rights. You know what I'm saying? It's like it, the world was changing too fast after Barack Obama and then the prospects of having a woman as president. president. They were like, Fuck yeah. that. We can't have eight years of a black man and yeah. then have a woman come into the White House. I mean, I think personally, and, and, and I spoke to Angela Rye about this when she was on the show, I think I don't want to I think it's the last stand of white racist supremacy. And they're they're doubling down. Oh yeah. D- D- Donald Trump was uh white supremacist Hail Mary Pass. Yes. And they caught that motherfucker. And they caught that motherfucker. <laughs> they, they caught that they motherfucker. They caught that motherfucker. They caught it. Can you believe this shit? No, I can't. I still can't. Because I mean, I'm one of those people that took my daughter to the Jacob Javits Center because I was going hard for Hillary. You yes. know what I mean? I was going hard for Hillary strictly because of the symbolism. And like, you know, I was I, I was fully aware of the super predator comments and things that she had said, but I still am a stern believer that people can change. Right. I sat down, I had a couple conversations with her, you know, on the Breakfast Club, but also just watching her. I would watch. Now, that's her. when she had the hot sauce in her bag. She had the hot sauce. But <laughs> yeah. well, we, we interviewed her twice. We right. did the hot sauce in a week before the election. But I was looking at the team around her. Yeah. She was surrounded by women <laughs> of color. Yes. Yeah. Like her whole team was literally women of color. I mean, she she had Karen Civil on. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like, like, so I was like, okay, maybe it wasn't a maybe. I knew these women were getting to her. I knew these women were having conversations with her. I knew these women were talking to her about certain issues. And then Bernie Sanders was such a great player in that situation because Bernie Sanders made. Hillary addressed things that she may, mes- may course, not necessarily have been talking about. Of course, yeah. And so I went hard for Hillary. I took my daughter to the Jacobs Javits Center. So it literally was like watching a, it was like watching a team. It was literally like watching the Super Bowl. You, you the Falcons were up. You know <laughs> what I mean? Twenty eight points. Absolutely. Right? And then all of a sudden, twenty eight to like, three. Like, twenty eight to three. Like what? What? Just, third quarter. Like what just happened? <laughs> oh. Like literally, like that happened? Like no, she didn't win. And then I had to go do Stephen Colbert right after that. And it was so weird because literally everybody at Colbert's show was waiting for the Hillary celebration. Yeah, right. That'd so it's always. like we were all just sitting on set like, what what, what the fuck? Like the people had to change monologues and change what they wanted to change say. Change scripts and everything. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. But it was dope because it was real. It was yeah. a real energy. But it was just like I still, I still can't believe it. Yeah. Man, it's a horrible, horrible thing. And, and when you see all of these things that's coming up right now about mm-hmm. Putin and Russia and this dude's North incompetence in North Korea and yes. his tweets... But I still feel, and I used to talk about this on the Combat Jack show last year, I, I did not want this guy to win. The, the, our biggest nightmare would be to see this guy win. But I think to really change our con- consciousness, mm-hmm. he had to win. Yeah, I mean, you know. You, you know what I mean? Like, he had yeah. to win to let motherfuckers know you can't sleep on evil. You believe in the concept of building and destroying, I'm yes. sure. You yes. know, the builders that add onto your life positively, step by step, to destroy, to tear down everything that's negative within your cipher. Like, sometimes you have to you know, hit rock bottom and tear this whole shit down in order to build up again properly. And I mean, honestly, that's what I've seen yeah. now. Are we, at, are we at rock bottom? 
Uh, I don't think we're at rock bottom. Uh, for, as presidents, yeah. we are. Yeah, president, as far as presidents <laughs> is concerned. But what I like, man, I like the energy that I've seen, you know, just overall from people. I feel like we're becoming a community again. Yes. You know, and I mean, I look at what, you know, women like Tamika Mallory and Karma Perez and Linda Sarsour are doing, you know, like they, the, the Women's March and the Women's Day Off. And like you got, you just see people taking charge in a different way. People and, are caring about things in a different way. And not only their own agendas, it seems like people are caring about other people's agendas for Absolutely. the first time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And them kids, man, I'm telling you, man, these kids are thirsting for knowledge in a different way. That's why, you know, in the Breakfast Club, you, you see the people I'm, I'm bringing on lately. Yes. I, I've been bringing on conscious people, whether it's, but, you know, but it's been, argument, it's right. but now you, people want to be more politically savvy. They want to be politically in tuned. I don't think it was like that with Barack. I think Barack was just a cool thing to vote for, right. and then that was it. Yeah. We, 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 we weren't worried about democracy. And what I mean by democracy is we weren't going back and saying, hey, Barack, all right, now that you're in the White House, this is what we need. Like right now, I see people involved with the political process. They care about democracy. They want to demand things from their senators and their governors and their mayors and, you know, the, the president even. Like they want things now, and I think that's dope. Did you follow politics as closely as you are right now before no, Trump? absolutely not. Like not following executive orders? And, absolutely <laughs> Hell not. no, right? Not even a little bit. <laughs> right? I can tell you one executive order Barack <laughs> Obama signed. Right? I know Obamacare and... um. That's it. Obamacare and the <laughs> like, Affordable Care Act. I don't, I don't, I know, not at all. Right. I was just happy that Barack was in the White House. Boom, Jeezy's song came true. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. My president is black. Now aren't you studying every fucking executive every order? Every fucking executive order. Because That's these crazy. things really affect us. Yes. And then also I think it's because I'm older now. Yes. I'm older, I got kids. But but I think, you know, even my kids, like my, my daughter's nine years old. Mm -hmm. I picked her up from school Monday and she was like, daddy. I heard Trump attack Syria, and I'm like, what? what? You nine years? I didn't even know what the fuck a Syria was until yeah. I was 30. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is crazy. And that's crazy, too, because like my daughter's eight, and she's the exact same way, which is right. ill to me, because CNN can be on in the house, and my daughter can just be watching television and be like, what is wrong with him? Like, right. It's obvious. And it's not like we're not, I'm not around the house yelling and screaming about Trump, so she's not getting that from me. Right. That's just the energy she sees. She sees it and she knows it's wrong. And that's my biggest problem with everything that's going on right now. Like, I understand the whole conservative and liberal thing and the right and the left thing, but it comes a point in time where the only side you should want to be on is it's the, the side, side of right. That's the it. The human side. The side of good. Right. That's it. The side of God. Like, you cannot look at what's going on. It's bigger than just, oh, you know, whoever we wanted to win lost the election. Right. That's what's going on in that White House is wrong. That's evil. You know, you don't want to be on that side. You know, the biggest evil that man can do is they can look at the other side and be like, they're evil. And mm -hmm. then they dehumanize them, and then it makes it easy to attack them, kill them the whole nine. I don't ever want to be that type of person. Mm -hmm. But when I look at the administration, I f like, I'm like, all of these motherfuckers are evil. evil. It's like they wake up every other day talking about what, how, how more evil can we be today than we were yesterday? That's the Legion of Doom. Yeah. Like, like, a, I, like, I don't, like, honestly, it's the Legion of Doom. I don't understand that mentality, though. Like, like do you understand that? Like, how everything they're doing... It's hurting everybody. I mean, like, because you don't have morals, you don't have values, you don't have right. integrity. What What's the mean? end goal, though? Like, is, is it just to make money? For them to get as rich as possible. That's what I think. Yeah. I think it's for them to get as rich as possible and have as much powerful as po much power as possible. What's the saying? Uh, absolute power corrupts. Corrupts absolutely. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yes, sir. That's what I'm watching right now. I'm, I'm literally watching a bunch of people self-destruct. Because you got to think, this is just 
years and years and years, decades. They've been doing this. Yes. Now they're just doing it in the highest seat like you in the said, land. The Hail Mary. The Hail Mary. It's the white supremacist Hail Mary pass. Donald Trump was, and he caught that motherfucker. Yo, um, you think he's going to do four years? No. You think he's going to get <clears throat> impeached? Something's going to happen. Yeah. I, like, I mean, I'm a stern believer. I, like, I mean, I'm an old country dude, man, so I'm a stern believer in God. Yes, sir. I, all, I just really believe that eventually God has to intervene in some way, shape, or form. I mean, are we watching him intervene now? Like, that administration is crumbling. People can sit around and act like it's not. Right. But it's falling apart at the seams. So it's only a matter of time for every, the whole bottom falls out of that shit, and, you know, we're going to be sitting around, and America will never be the same again. And the reason yeah. America will never be the same again because a lot of people showed who they were. In this time, and when yes, people sir. show you who they are, you got to believe them. A lot of people have been exposed, so it's gonna be a lot of people when the smoke clears. Like, oh yeah, uh, about that, uh, about that takeover we was trying to make <laughs> yeah. happen. About that last stand. <laughs> yeah. About, yeah, yeah. I didn't really mean it. I was, I was just wearing that jersey. Oh no, no. But we, we got the tweets, man. We got you. <laughs> we got the tweets. We got right you now, now, man. Yo, your book. Um, it's, it's kind of like a twofold book. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a self help book. Yep. But it's also a biography, correct? Yeah, because you know I grew up reading. Um, you know, like I said, I grew up reading like The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. I love Don Miguel Ruiz and Toltec Wisdom. I love that. I grew up reading uh, Robert Greene's works. I grew up reading Malcolm Gladwell. And all those guys, they they have principles and they have laws, right. but they use historical context yes. to back up those principles and laws. I'm not that well-versed on, you know, Constantine and all that other kind of stuff to be able to use that. You're well-versed on Charlemagne. I'm well-versed on Charlemagne yes, God. Yes, so I used historical context from my life to back up these eight principles that I have in the book. So so from what I understand, I didn't, I didn't read your book yet, man. From what I understand, you don't have chapters. Each chapter is a principle. It's a principle, absolutely. Right, right. Because, I mean, that's, that's that's something that I wanted to do, and I was having a conversation with um, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, and I told him, I said, I'm, I'm going to have principles. And he said, yes. Jesus had principles. Jesus had principles. And he, he, he actually put that on Instagram recently, and I reposted it because that's exactly what he said to me. But I just feel like principles mean more. Like, I want kids to read this and, you know, be like, yeah, I'm going to apply this to my everyday life. Right. You know, because I don't, I don't have the, all the answers. I just have the experiences that I've been through. They may help you. They may not help you. They may work for you. They may not work for you. I don't know. I'm just sharing what I've been through. Yo, Internets, this week's episode of the Combat Jack Show is brought to you by the upcoming HBO special, J. Cole for Your Eyes Only. J. Cole for Your Eyes Only is a Dreamville film. The Grammy-nominated hip-hop star's second HBO special debuts this Saturday, April 15th at 10 p.m. Eastern and 11 p.m. Pacific. This exclusive presentation is a multi-narrative show that combines music performances with intimate interviews documented through Cole's lenses. For Your Eyes Only showcases songs from J. Cole's fourth album, as well as revealing footage containing heartfelt confessions, concerns, and struggles of people from the South. Providing a platform for subjects who feel their stories have not been heard, Cole captures these stories in Baton Rouge, Atlanta, Ferguson, Missouri, Cole's hometown of Fayetteville, North Carolina, and his father's hometown of Jonesboro, Arkansas, where he focuses on how this small town so closely resembles the rest of the country in its struggles with integration. As Cole travels through different cities gathering interviews, he reveals the challenges lower-income residences face, trying to obtain viable housing, as well as the frustration for felons being barred from voting. J. Cole's album, For Your Eyes Only, was released in December 2016, debuting at number one, Uno, Los Numero Uno, 
The New York Times held it as one of the year's most finely drawn albums. Listen, y'all know I fucks with Cole. Cole's probably our most biggest show ever on the Combat Jack show. He came through. We broke bread. I love that brother. I love what he's been doing, and I've been supporting him ever since, as you should too. This Saturday, tune in at April 15th, 10 p.m. Eastern and 11 p.m. Pacific for the premiere of J. Cole's For Your Eyes Only, a Dreamville film exclusively on HBO, and now back to the show. Um, as a kid growing up in Monk's Corner, mm -hmm. um, in a nutshell, if you could, and not taking us through every chapter, or every principle, but what principles got you from Monk's Corner to here, man? Um, the first principle in the book, and the first principle in the book is it's not the size of the pond, but the size of the hustle of the fish in the pond. Because I'm from a small ass town, you know, and I tell people all the time, like when you know small towns, people be like, "Oh man, I'm gonna move to Atlanta, I'm gonna move to New York, I'm gonna move to, Cali, to, move to LA." LA. You don't. You ain't even the man here. Right. Like you're not even popping here. So what makes you think you're gonna go in this big ass pond? If Mount Corner's a pond, then New York is the ocean. Like what makes you think if you can't even swim in this little ass pond, you're gonna swim in this big ass ocean? So the whole concept of that book is take the time in these small places to, to, to cultivate your craft. You know what I mean? Take this time to really get good at whatever it is that you do. So when you do get a chance to swim in that ocean, you just simply know how to swim. Period. So for me, you know, that's, that's, that was the biggest lesson. Because I used to, I've always hustled the same. Like, my hustle has never been different. I get that from my sister. My sister always had three jobs, you know what I'm saying? Well, tell us about your sister, because she was a big influence on you. Yeah, my, my older sister, you know, uh, Teresa, she was, she always had three different jobs. She was always going to school. Like, she, it seemed like she was never even home, because she was always just hustling, job to job to didn't job she, to Didn't job. that shit look like, didn't that shit, like, I'm not doing this. She looked tired all the time. Like, yeah, I'm not doing that. But then that's exactly what I started doing. Right. Because I didn't have no other choice because I didn't go to college. So being that I didn't go to college, man, I talk about it in my book. The well, Why didn't you go to college, man? I was in the street. Like, like I got kicked out of two high schools and, you know, I just... I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't feel like I had the grades for right. it. Like I didn't. I didn't. I just didn't have the knowledge. Like I didn't know what to do. I, gra I, I graduated in night school. I got my diploma in night school. I'm like, where am I gonna go with a night school diploma? At that time, man, did you feel that you had black privilege, or that that that, that the black man was God? You, you, yeah, absolutely. So you so you knew absolutely. That's the only way I was able to feel like I know I needed better. Like I had to, I had to realize my full potential was a black man on this planet. That was my whole point of of everything. Cause my father used to always tell me, "Look, man, you're gonna end up in jail, dead, or broke sitting under the tree, if you don't, you know, change your lifestyle." So when I was studying the five percent teachings and reading niggas to gods, I just knew I was destined for more. I'm like, "Yo, what am I doing? I'm a black man. Like, I'm not gonna just waste away this this good black skin. You know how Paul Mooney called white people a waste of good white skin? I'm not gonna waste away this good black skin. And then when I started seeing like my older cousins, who I used to love, they was the dudes that put me on the hip hop and showed me what to wear and they had all the girls. When I started seeing them really washed up, broke sitting under the tree and on drugs, I'm like, yo, this shit is real. And then when I started going to jail and watching people around me go to jail, I'm like, my dad is absolutely, he's Yo, this guy's a prophet. When you went to jail, man, did you feel like the shit was rock bottom? Or when did you personally feel your life hit rock bottom? Um, I don't think I ever felt my, like my life hit rock bottom. I just knew even that. Even in jail? Even in jail. Because the first time I went to jail, you got to think I was a kid. Like, right. they came and got me out of high school. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go. It's like going to the principal's office. I'm yeah. thinking, all right, Attention, I'll, I'll be out tonight. Yeah, yeah. Like, but wait a minute, hold on, I'm in an orange suit now. <laughs> I'm in this, I'm in this, they call it the A-Pod in Berkeley County, I'm in the A-Pod now, like, what's going on? Like, 
hold up, today's Tuesday. All right, it's Wednesday. Hold up, it's Thursday. Oh, it's Friday. Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, ain't, what, what, why am I still here? And what are you thinking? I'm a kid. I'm really thinking about, I hope I'm out by homecoming. So I can go to the football <laughs> game. Like, literally, that's what I'm thinking. You're thinking like a kid, And then, right? like, my pops came to the jail, and my pops told me, like, you know, I'm going to let you sit in here for a while. Because my pops understood where I was going. He understood where I was headed. And everything he was telling me was coming true. So he was just basically giving me, like, one of those hard, tough life lessons. Like, yo, shit is real. And you either going to learn that the easy way or the hard way. Right, right. I ended up having to learn it the hard way. Because I went to jail quite a few times after that. And then it was literally just a moment that I talk about in the book, I think it was, I had, the charge I had caught was a criminal sexual conduct charge. What? Yeah. What the fuck is that? It's a, it's, well, <laughs> a, a young lady said I had raped her. Okay. And that's why I'm always Which like- Which is crazy. No, it's not. I mean, no, it, it's I mean, not, it's crazy. But, but when I, you're in the middle of that. Yeah, yeah. When and you it, even think about a young lady saying like, this absolutely. shit was consensual or whatever. But, whatever I, but, but no, that was the L part. I never even had touched her. Right. I had a party and she was at the party and, you know, she got drunk. She got high. She was in the room with a couple of my dudes. I go up in the room like, yo, let's, you know, get out of here, whatever, whatever. Because her, her, her girl cousin came to get me right. and was like, yo, she's in the room with them. Like, yo, y'all got to get up out of here, whatever, whatever. Then she starts bugging out like kicking stuff over, knock, took, knocked the TV over it, saying somebody did something to her. Come to find out her story was a couple of the guys were like, yo, this is Charlemagne, relax, relax, relax. So I'm asking my dudes. Like, why would y'all do this? Well, well, I'm asking them if they did it. Right. They telling me, no, no, we didn't touch them. Fuck boy shit. And I'm like, I got to believe my guys, but I don't want to discredit the young lady right. either. So a couple weeks later, well, literally the next day, I go down to the police station because and I talk about this in my book, all my cousins play too fucking much. And what I mean by that is, the next day when I go to the hood, it was June 8th. It was June 9th, because June 8th was the day before. <clears throat> I go to the hood, my dude is outside, and I'm talking to my cousins, I'm like, yo, where my, my cousin Kente at? And they were like, Kente's in jail. And I'm like, for what? And they was like, because what happened last night? The girl said she got raped. They were, I'm like, what? Now mind you, Kente was my man who I was having the party for. That's my right, cousin, right, that's right. my A1 to this day. He had got a scholarship to Penn State. So I go straight down to the police station, like, look, I don't know what happened. I take full responsibility. Nothing happened with, you know, I don't know anything about a girl getting raped, but it was my party. He didn't have nothing to do with it. So the cop is sitting there writing the statement, writing the statement, writing the statement. She let me talk. And then she's like, well, you know, thank you for coming down. We don't have nobody in custody, you know, but, you know, we do appreciate you coming to give a statement. And I'm like, Oh, shit. Oh, so you ain't nobody in custody? Motherfuckers play too much. They was just upset they didn't get invited to the party. Right. So they told me that Kente was in jail. So two weeks later, they come and arrest me for criminal sexual conduct. I really don't even know what I'm facing because my boys told me they didn't do nothing. So they're like, yo, you got to give blood and hair. And I'm like, cool. Did all of that. You know, charges end up getting dropped. I think I ended up with like a contributing to the delinquency of a minor charge because I might have been... I think it was 2001, so I was either 20, 21 at the time, and the girl was like 16. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, she was ugly. It was ugly. Yo. And I was doing radio at the time. Yeah. I was working at Z93 Jam. So you were a, I, a local celebrity. Yeah, and I, but nobody knew me like that then. It wasn't that big. I was scared to death. I was in the radio station with the lights off and everything. And my fa <laughs> I remember my father said to me, this is only happening to you because you're doing good. Right. So when you ask me what was the moment where I hit rock bottom, I, I would say it was that because that was the moment I realized I can't play two sides. Right. And what I mean by that is I can't still be in the hood around my same people that's doing hood shit and still trying to do this radio thing because my hood niggas were the ones that was in the room with her all they had to do was say, look, this is what happened and at least I know what I'm facing. Yeah. He couldn't even do me that solid. 
Are you still so he, you still friends with your cousins, my man? <laughs> yeah, I mean, my cousin Kente, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, the, but the mother niggas. I mean, I'm not. I don't dislike them. Yeah, yeah. I just don't fuck with yeah. them. Yeah, you know I mean, like, you, like that's the thing about life when you when you know who people are, you just put them in that proper place. Exactly. Like, if you know you got a cousin that's a crackhead, you don't leave money lying around, no, and then when he steal the him, money, you mad because he stole the money. Him, don't don't let him in your house. Yeah, you, you don't even let him around. in the house. You're right. <laughs> you mean only money. You hurry up. You got like, what you need. Look out the screen door. You Absolutely. good? You got a cousin who's a pedophile. <laughs> you don't let him babysit Dang. your kids. No, no. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now you mad at yourself. See? Yeah. Why the fuck I had you around my kids? No, you should be mad at yourself. Don't be mad at him. You know what he is. Yo, man, a lot of, a lot of us are gifted. A lot of mm -hmm. us don't come from a lot, but a lot of us are gifted. But we come from the hood, right? And then we hit that fork in the road where shit starts changing. And we have opportunities like shit that shit changed for you, like the story you just told us. Mm -hmm. But a lot of us get trapped, and right before we get to the next level, we can't leave the hood. And that shit brings us back down, man. Like, like why is it so difficult to Cause let go of the hood? Because that's, that's all we know. Right. You got to think something about black people is we're always, uh, we're always looking for power sources. We're always looking for things that keep us going because we don't have anything. Talking about a, a, a community that got stripped of every single identity it ever had. So the hood is that identity for us. So you don't never want to leave that because that's really what you know. That's probably where you got your nickname. That's where you got your rep. That's where you that's got where, your swag. That's where you got your swag. You know what I'm saying? That's where you got, got your first piece of pussy. Like mm. every great, That's where you got your talent. That's where you got your talent. Every great memory you have is attached to the hood. So you just don't want to let that go. But what I encourage brothers to do is, yes, Get out the hood, but don't get out the hood to go away. Get out the hood to make away. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? You go and you prosper and you bring things back to the community. You pull other people up from the community. That's what you do. Because I it's I know it's several more Charlemagnes and Monks Corner. Of South course Carolina. they are. And hopefully I'm inspiring them and hopefully I'm empowering them and hopefully they're putting themselves in position that somebody can say, you know what, I'm going to give that kid an opportunity. That's what Wendy Williams did for me. Yeah. I was in Columbia, South Carolina. Doing radio. How'd she hear about you, man? Um, it's a, it's a detailed story, uh, which I talk about in the book, which will be out. I'm not this trying Tuesday. to get you to tell. Oh, no, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell yeah, you because yeah. I've told this Yo, story. Buy this book, internet, so stop fucking around. But um, I was doing radio in Columbia, South Carolina, on Hot 103.9. Hot 103.9 was owned by Inner City Broadcasting. Inner City Broadcasting also owned WBLS in New York. Uh, Wendy was syndicated in Columbia, South Carolina, on Hot 103.9. And I just used to always be a huge fan of Wendy. I used to listen to the show. So Wendy came down to do a market visit. She was in the studio doing her show. I bust in. I got mad mixtapes. I used to put out mixtapes. Me and my man DJ Frosty. Salute to DJ Frosty. So I had mixtapes and I had like a parody song that I wanted her to hear. And I'm being like kind of pushy. And I'm like, yo, hey, I, you're a big inspiration of mine. Here's some mixtapes, whatever. And Wendy's like, get the fuck out of here and take that mixtape shit to my husband. I'm trying to do my show. I didn't get upset. I didn't get discouraged. I listened to what she said. She told me to take that mixtape shit to her husband. So I took that mixtape shit to her husband and Kevin Hunter. And that's how me and him, you know, connected and got a bond. And what was so crazy, I used to be such a fan of the show that uh, her show, they, they put it on two to six. So they had to replace somebody to put her on. They replaced the program director at the time, Chris Connors. But people used to love Chris in the city, too. So they kind of like fought to get Chris back on the air. So they put Chris back two to six and put Wendy on like late at night, 10 to 2 a.m. And for like a whole week or so, or maybe two weeks, the show was just rerunning the same episode over and over. So I just pick up the phone and call Kev and say, Kev, man, they keep rerunning the show over and over. He was like, what? So Kev came he down. Even know. He didn't even know. So he came down to hear it for himself. So he was like with us the whole weekend. He was like me, it's me, Wax, and Kev. He's with us the whole weekend. He heard the show. And we just had a, a bond from there. And I ended up getting demoted. 
from six days a week to one day a week at this station in Columbia. The reason I got demoted, because, you know, I've always been, like, that rebellious person who'll stand up for people. And um, it was this club owner in the, in, in yeah. Columbia, and he was a, he was alleged to have been putting date rape drug in girls' <coughs> drinks. Oh, shit. But nobody could ever prove it. Right. So being that nobody could ever prove it, it was just kind of like an urban legend. But then one day this girl went to the police, and when this girl went to the police, they went to search his house. They found the date rape drug all in his house, and the girl had the drug in her system. So they had his mugshot on the Richland County website, which is, you know, the police blotter, and they had what he was arrested for. So I took it and put it on my MySpace page. And I'm like, yo, this dude right here, we need to worry. We should not be frequenting this club, blah, blah, blah. And um, they were advertisers of the radio station. So they ended up suing me. Yeah, they, they sued they, you personally? They sued me personally, me and the radio station. Radio station settled for like $2,000. But in the process, they demoted me to one day a week because right. of that. Right, right. Kev heard about it. But Kev thought they had demoted me because I had told him about them repeating the show. Ah. So I guess Kev felt kind of like, damn, maybe, maybe it's my fault. So he invited me to come to New York. So I went to New York, and Wendy had a party, and Wendy asked me, Wendy was like, yo, come on my show the next day. You can't tell me something like that. <laughs> all the very next day, I'm calling like, yo, Kev, when do you want me to come on the show? What's up? What's yeah, up? Yeah. He's like, yo, go to such and such. This one they was on Park Avenue, WBLS. I went there for 25 minutes, and that night, um, Kev was like, look, Wendy's been looking for a co-host. She don't really wow. want no comedian. She wants somebody that's from the radio world like yourself wow. who's honest and, you know, we, you got everything out we're looking for. And he was like, look, we can't pay you, but we can offer you a place to stay. I was out. Yo, nigga, did you, was you like, this is not real? Um, I, I mean, yeah, I didn't. I didn't know. I, did, I just didn't know. Because, I mean, I never had anybody do anything like that for me. Right. In that manner. Right, right, right. Not right. career-wise. Of course, you've always had people, people look out. Yeah. yeah, people who look out for you in your life but step people up. People particularly don't really know. You don't really know. That big. Absolutely. Right, on right. something that big, you put me as the co-host right next to your, your wife every day. Yeah. Like, what? Really? And he, yeah, they couldn't pay me, and they, but they gave me a place to stay. And that's why I always tell kids now. A lot of kids don't recognize opportunity if it's not a paycheck attached to it. Like, how many people would have really took that opportunity? I mean, we we, we I'm all in, work for free, man. I'm, yeah, but I'm in Columbia, South Carolina. Yeah, market so 93. Move. I don't got no family here. Yeah, yeah. Nothing. I'm just, and, boom. And New York City is a cold motherfucking oh, place. Oh, man. <laughs> did, did you like oh, New York when you got here, man? No. <laughs> what didn't you like Not about it, man? Oh, It's a culture shock. <laughs> and then it wasn't nothing sexy. It right. was, all right, you live in Fort Lee. You catch the 156 bus over the GW Bridge every day. That's how you get into the city. You, you walk no from the Port Authority. No money. I got to go back and forth to South Carolina sometime to make some bread. And then, you know, after about a year and a half, that's when some money started to come in. You know, they put me on this. They gave me a salary and whatnot. Uh, even before that, they would slip you little money under the table to do little odd jobs, right, like right, write right. stuff here and there. But, I mean, that's, that's, that's how I got with her, basically. Yo, I didn't know you went back with Wax that long, man. Oh, man, I've known Wax since. I first met Wax in 2001. Because he he played football in Columbia, South Carolina at Benedict. No, he was at Allen University then. Then he transferred to Benedict. Him and my man Powder, they used to live together. And I got family, and I do have some family in Jersey. Right. And uh, my cousin John was like, yo, you need to go check out this dude, this dude named Louie. He used to rap. He lived in Jersey. I mean, he lived in Columbia. And all of them lived together. It was just like this whole Jersey connection. All of them lived in the same spot in Jersey. So I used to sell mixtapes. So I would have all the new G-Unit, the new... Diplomats, everything, yeah, everything yeah. they wanted but up yeah. north, niggas down south <laughs> yeah. can't find that. Shit. So I would just go over there and unload on them. You know what I mean? Five for twenty or whatever it was, and like literally, they would just come with me everywhere. Same thing we're doing right now. Yeah, it's just that now he's getting paid great money for it. But literally the same thing every from from two thousand one to two thousand seventeen. We would every club I would go to, they'd be with me because you got to think they was in college. Yeah. 
They in college, I'm the radio dude. They have mad fun when they're with me. Yeah. I'm like getting all the parties free, drinks, smoke, all the women, whatever. So he literally since 2001. That's dope, man. That's 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 yep. a lesson in loyalty right there, man. Absolutely. So when I started getting into all that shit up here, like around <laughs> 2000, let me see when that, 2012 was 12. Can I Get a Drop? Can I Get a Drop was like 11, 12. It wasn't. It was. It was. It was another situation after that. Yeah, was it? Yeah, I went across the street to the pharmacy to get some money out the pharmacy, and I was coming out the pharmacy, and this dude just swung on me as I was coming out the pharmacy, and I could. If I could have ran, I right. would have ran, but I couldn't. Right. So I had to fight. So I, you know, me and him just got into it, and I just, I really fucked the dude up. Just left him laid out on the on on the floor of the pharmacy, and Damn. I ran back across to the radio station. And did what any taxpaying citizen should do. Told my them. told my bosses and called the police. Yes, and, of course. Uh, it was a bomb threat in New York that day, so the police didn't get there till late. Right. And then I realized I didn't have my wallet, so I was like, "Oh shit, my wallet's back across the street." So envy and everybody, we all go back across the street. I get my wallet and we see the guy. I'm like, "Oh shit, this dude must got a gun," because I just fucked him up. Right, he right. must got a gun. Black dude. <laughs> Black dude. Right. So the dude was just in a daze. So he comes in. He the dude had dropped his keys. And so y'all, wait. What are the chances of you and him? Going back to the same place yeah, to get your shit. Yeah, I, in the same pharmacy. I dropped my wallet in the pharmacy. He dropped his keys. So he grabbed his keys. He gets in the van. We're literally watching him, writing the license plate number down and everything. Police finally get there 20 minutes later. The guy's gone. They were all looking at the surveillance footage. And the cop is like, well, you know, Charlamagne, you, you fucked him up. Like, what do you... What do you want to do? I, I don't want to press charges. I don't want to fight, man. Yeah. <laughs> I'm making money now. I don't need to be fighting. Absolutely. Wait, so what was his intent? He just was... Just man, he didn't say a word. Trying to come up? Like, oh. it wasn't... No, it wasn't and that's what, that was, was so scary because I thought they was trying to jump me again. Right. right. But when I realized it was just me and this dude one-on-one, it's like, oh, we got to get down now. But it was the only... It was a video of it because it was a surveillance Was footage. he crazy or was it because of... But you don't know. That's a good question. Or did it have to do with you? I, I really don't know because he was in a car. Like we have a lot of crazy people who hang out around this the station. Before you got married, right? It's before I got married. I mean, I was with my girl, but it was before I got married. Right, right, right. So it was, it was a. He was in a car, so he came for something, and then he he literally That's, drove off. Yeah. Like he he literally drove off, and he had to be watching me. Like he had to be watching the front of the building because he saw me going to the pharmacy, and he saw me walk out. So after that. Before that, you know, Wax and like a lot of my dudes was like, yo, you can't, we not letting you be by yourself no more. But Wax was getting in a whole lot of trouble because he was living in Miami. Right. So he was getting in a lot of walking trouble. Walking around in Tim's. Walking around in Tim's in can't Miami. Can't be in Miami Beach walking no around in Tim's. Gloves out your back no pocket, my nigga. So I, was, I, I told him, I'm like, look, man, get out of Miami. Come back to Jersey because Jersey's home for him. Right. Come back to Jersey. Come back home. I got a job. Like, well, you know, we're getting money now. You can get on salary. And that's what that's it. it's been on ever since. Yo, man, is it good to have security, man? Does it feel good to have security? Um, not, not, it feels it feels better to have my brother with me all yes, the time. Right, you know right. what I'm saying? And and, and 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 like that's my that's my that's, I consider him a brother for yes. real. Like I I know his mom. He know my mom. Like he's been to my mom's house. I've been to his mom's house. He know my brother's sisters. He. I I I, I might be home in South Carolina because you know he got the chicken farm in South Carolina. I might be in South Carolina. Go to my aunt's house, waxing there with my cousins. They treat, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like right, right. They, they all treat them like family. So that's it's just beautiful, like, man. Yeah, it's more important to have. My, so it's a, it's a come up. It's a mutual come up. Man. Absolutely, but that's I'm not, I, I'm never gonna put my people in a a bad situation. Like right. I'm not, I, I I I try to avoid all problems and avoid all issues. You don't see me nowhere. Nah, I don't go out. I don't do all that them industry functions. Yeah, man, listen, industry man, I, I, listen, man. I'm not even nowhere <laughs> near you, but 
When too many niggas start no. saying, yo, combat, I be. That's a fact. You see, I'm super low right now, right? Kid? Absolutely. We don't do that. Like, hey, hey, no new friends, man. Word. No new friends, my niggas. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't, like, I hate when people say they got soldiers. I ain't got no soldiers. I got brothers. And when you got brothers, you don't put your brothers in positions to get fucked up. Yes. Period. Yes. And I, and I try you to take keep, care, you exactly. take care of your people. We out exactly. the way. We play, we on defense all the time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's it. Like if, if something come at us, yeah, we'll handle it. But no, we out the way. We want peace. We want love. We, we come and go. And that's that. Like, so I, it's more important to have my brother with me and to be able to be able to make a living. Yeah, you know? of course. Of making course. A living. Of course, your internet. So I don't have no security, man, but. The next time y'all niggas say what's up, man, do like 50, man, and like <coughs> make sure y'all show me love before I know what it Word. is, man. I don't trust- Friend of foe. I don't trust none of y'all Come niggas on, these man. days. Friend of foe, state your biz. Cameras scare me more than guns nowadays. Yo. yo Cameras scare me more than Hell yeah, guns. when the minute that camera come out, oh, come on. Man. A group of people run up on you and they got cameras. I'm like, yo, what's up? Yo, what's when they did the here? drop, did you see the camera first? Saw the camera first. Ah, uh, see? That was a setup too. That was a setup because the day before, they did the exact same thing. Right. But the day before, they timed it wrong. Because they timed it wrong, because I, 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 don't, I don't know which way they thought I walked in, but whatever way I thought, I, they thought I walked in, I already had walked in the building. And right. I saw the two dudes standing outside. And dude came behind me with the camera, but he was in the building. And he was like, yo, Charlamagne, can I get a drop? And I was like, cool. And I gave him a drop. And I, I, I said, Oh, you gave him a drop? This is the first time. This is yeah. the day before. Yeah. And I said to myself, this is a setup. Yeah. I knew. Who, who, who setting you up, wow. though? I mean, at that time, who knows, man? Yeah. That's when we was knee deep in the middle of hot '97 yes, shit. Yes, and, yes, 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 yes. You know, yeah, we was, was going hard. Yes. <laughs> when you think, when you look back hey, on you it, you can't sleep on these niggas. No, man. man. You can't sleep on nah, nobody. Man, nah, I mean, listen, like radio personalities, DJs, whatever. You can't sleep on nobody. Rapper. It could it could have been Flex. It could have been C. It could have been. Little Kim and her goons. I don't know who could've it was. Could have been Ebro. Could have. Nah, I don't think so. Nah. Yeah. Nah. Ebro, that you? My G. I don't think so. That you, my G? Nah. I don't think so. I think, I think, I think uh, guys like Flex and C had more incentive to do that. Right, right. But if you think about it, this is what's so funny about hip hop. The things we take for granted are really like harsh shit. Like Mr. C was out here getting, fuck, he was a serial purchaser of penis. Mm. And he was getting called out for it all the time. Like we was calling Flex out for beating on women. Like these are hellified, hellified allegations, right? Yes, yes, yes. So yeah, you would have some incentive to send some people to go fuck somebody up too. Yes. Not saying that they did it. I don't know, you right, know. Right. But hey, if they did, I, I would totally understand. Yes, yeah, so shout out to Mr. C because that's my dude too. You know what I'm saying? No, hey, legends. No, yes, sir. No, no never, shots. I, nothing. I would never take away the fact that Funkmaster Flex. And Mr. C, a legend. Yes, sir. I'm not, I'm not vouching for nobody else on that side. But those two, absolute Verified. legends. Yes, sir. And, but sometimes your idols become your rivals. Of course, of course. It's just the way the game goes. I obviously have to cross up Jordan sometimes. Of course, man. Broke his ankles. You got to do it. Broke those ankles. We competing. Yes, sir. And I'm sure they feel the same way. Of course. They co we competing. Of course, man. One of the things you did last year, man, out of everything, man, that, that was really special to me, man, was when you got your comic book, man. The New Year's <coughs> Eve special, Infinite comic book issue number one. How did that come about, man? You uh, on Marvel Comics, man. I, I, I'm a huge fan of Marvel. I got a Wolverine tattoo on my right arm. Is, is it a janky one? It's a janky it's one. Janky. It's janky. My man, my man T, uh, T. Willis, the illest, because in South Carolina, tattoos just became legal in the right, past right. few Are years. You going to fix that shit, man? Yes, I am. Uh, but I just don't have time, and I, I got I don't know. If I'm older now. I don't know if I have that that pain threshold. Right, no right, right, right. I don't right. know, but I'm, I, I want to. But um, I've always been a fan of yeah, Marvel you gotta Comics. Fix, you got you to fix Wolverine, I got to fix it. You can't have no cockeye wolf. You can't have <laughs> <laughs> no for real. He do look like that. He look like he's on steroids, but like the steroids only working in certain places. It's like his shoulders mad big and his forearms are real small. But I've just always been a fan. And 
it's funny, man, when you uh, when you grow in the media game and you know you're on radio, you're on television, the Breakfast Club syndicated in seventy plus markets, you take for granted who's listening. Yes. You don't know who's listening. You don't know who's listening. All. You don't know who's you don't watching, know who's your watching social your media. Tweets. Yeah. So it's like Marvel was always watching me and knowing that I was a fan. So one day they hit me up, like, yo, my man Chris Robinson, he was like, Yo, I'm a big fan of the Brilliant Idiots podcast. Why don't you come down to Marvel? I'm like, what? Page, clear the schedule. Let's go. I'm going to Marvel tomorrow. And I'm in Marvel and they just giving me a tour of the building. And I'm I'm it's it's life is so funny because there's mad people up there that work from South Carolina. That are from South Carolina. That's crazy. Like my man, um, you know, Blake, he's from South Carolina, and it's like we all just <laughs> built a connection. Like my man Sanford Green, who actually draws for the Power Man Iron Fist comic book. Oh, he's that's from, a, he's an ill artist. He's from Columbia, Ill, South Carolina. That's, that, that's an ill pen. I, I'm not sure if I'm comfortable with that pen yet because it's so off the it's, it's so it's so off the meter. But he did I'm, my I'm, illustration for my book. Oh yeah, now now that so he has do he has different styles. He has different styles because because yeah. I like the art in your book. Yeah, but the Iron Man Power Fist is mad quirky, man. Yeah, he's dope. I, mean, I like I think he's dope. Right, right. But what he did for my book was was really dope. But I mean, it's just the South Carolina connection, and 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 they just knew I was a fan, so they was like, "Hey, we want you to do a comic book." And what was crazy to me, they said that whenever they get somebody to do a comic book, nobody ever puts themselves in the comic book. Mm. I'm like, who else would I put in the comic book? But like, true. Yeah, I'm gonna get. I want that look. I'm gonna put me in there. I'm gonna put wax in there. No, I gotta Tax thank you for putting there. my name in there. I put your B. name in there. Andrew yeah, was, was in dope. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was dope. That like, was dope. I wanted these. These Romero was supposed to be the dude sitting on the stoop, but they didn't sign the contract. Right, right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't give me the release. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Congrats on that, man. Thank you. Yo, let me ask you something, man. How do you deal? Because I know I'm not even live, and every now and then we say some shit and it causes a little stir. Mm-hmm. But how do you deal with the constant waves of controversy that sometimes come about? In your daily life, like 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 the Tammy Loren shit, like mm-hmm. how do you deal with the controversy that you might mean one one thing, but next thing you know, you wake up and the country's on some other wave in terms of some shit you're in the middle of. You just got to deal with it. I mean, personally, I'm not above any critique from my community. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like when they when they saw me with Tommy, I'm not mad. You know, we got a we got a, a long line of we got a history of people selling out. Yes. Once they, yes. once they get to a certain position. Yes. So if they thought I was in the sunken place <laughs> and they came for me and they wanted to check me, I I totally understand it. Right. You know, but like it's, it's a lot of nuance that went with that whole situation. That's the one time I've ever met Tommy Lauren in my life. Right. Was that day. I had corresponded with her before because I got hip to her because of black Twitter. Because one day after the Super Bowl when she went in on Beyonce, black Twitter hit me up and they was like, you got to get this girl donkey today. So I went to go see what she was saying, and I'm, she's comparing the Black Panthers to the KKK and, you know, Jay-Z, the 14-year drug dealer. So I gave her a donkey today. Then they asked me to come on her show. So I went on her show. But I went on her show just to tear down some of those false narratives that she was putting out there specifically about the Black Panthers. Right. Right, I mean, right. don't get me wrong. My last name is Pinkett Smith Winfrey Knowles Carter. But we're not going to be out here <laughs> trying to do... We're not going to be out here doing revisionist history of on course. the Black Panthers. No, 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 you no. You know? No. So I we, mean, they're giving kid food, kids food to kids on, in the morning. Man. They don't talk about that. Come on, man. They never so, talk about that. So we did that, and then I hadn't talked to her for months. Right. And then, like, I saw her... Uh, she was coming to New York, so they hit me up like, she was coming to New York, she want to come on The Breakfast Club. Cool. Then I saw what she did, you know, with Trevor Noah, and then I was watching some of the other rhetoric, you know, where she was going in on Colin Kaepernick, and I'm like, yo, what's up with Tommy? But what the ill thing was, when they saw us together, that was actually a meeting at Viacom. Okay. And the reason it was a meeting at Viacom, because, you know, when they saw me on her show going in on her, somebody up there had the bright idea, like, this would be a great television show. Yeah. And I was like, no, 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 right. this would not be a great television show. And every, when I say every woman in the building, black, white, whoever, was like, Charlemagne, you better not 
do this shit. I'm like, black I'm, and white. Black and white. I'm yes. like, I'm not, not going to do it. And right. you know, the meeting we had with Tommy, I was having conversations with Tommy, like, Tommy, if this isn't really you, you're going to self-destruct. This plane going to land yeah. with no wheels on it. I said, if you're really just out here saying things for shock value, you're not going to last because there's no value in shock. And I told her about the rhetoric she was putting out that was dangerous to us in our community. I remember she said, uh, she told me a story about why she feels the way she does about Black Lives Matter. Right. And um, the reason she felt that way, and life is all about perspective. She was in, she's, she lives in Dallas, right? So she was in Dallas the night that guy went crazy and started shooting all those police officers. Right. And she was getting death threats to her phone and like somebody put her parents' address out there. So in her mind, after that, and then watching like videos of people marching and saying kill all cops, and they were saying they were part of the Black Lives Matter movement. That's what made her have that outlook on Black Lives so, Matter. So, so <clears throat> anecdotal instances with, with no education behind the whole Absolutely. Right. And so I said to her, I said, well, you support Trump, right? Mm -hmm. And she said, yeah. I said, well, do you think all Trump supporters are racist? She was like, no. I mean, there absolutely is, you know, racists in the, that support Trump. Like, when I go to his rallies, you know, and whatnot, it's absolutely people that are straight-out racist. I said, she said, but a lot of us are just anti-government. We want somebody to come shake things up. I said, well, how come you can see the nuance in the Trump supporters but not the nuance in Black Lives Matter? Right. Like, just because somebody, you know, says they're a part of Black Lives Matter and they say they want to kill all cops, they don't represent the whole Black Lives Matter movement. Course, That's not what the Black Lives Matter movement was founded about. Yeah. So those are the conversations that we had. And then, you know, we come downstairs and the TMZ cameras are there and I'm like, ah. Uh, so you saw, you saw it coming? Did yeah, you and, see then, it then coming? I, and then I took a picture with her before, but I thought it was going to be funny because I put the picture in black and white and I put, do you see color? Right, right, right. Because that's what she said on Trevor Noah the night before. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, when those TMZ cameras caught us, and it's funny because under, under, I had a Def Jam jacket on. <laughs> Underneath the Def Jam jacket, I had a jacket that, that the shirt had Martin Luther King, Huey Newton, Malcolm X, and I think Nat Turner on it. And I just felt all of them shaking their head at me as soon as that damn camera rolled up. But even that a couple of days later when I made that tweet, that tweet was not coming from a malicious place at right. all. I was not about trying to, about women of color creating yeah, a platform. I said, I said like it, Tom, Tommy. Yes, like, I said it would be dope if a woke woman of color created a platform to control our narratives and become a voice the way Tommy Lauren did. And then I yeah. even was giving examples. I put up the Young Turk News Network, mm -hmm. and I was just like, it was it was it was more of a tweet about infrastructure. Right. It wasn't about you. Be, I don't want you to be nothing like Tommy. Y'all brighter and better than Tommy. Right, right. I just wanted that infrastructure, which we have learned now that Tommy didn't even own. She didn't even of own course. her Facebook. Of course. I don't know why you would sign your rights away to your personal Facebook, but that's ridiculous. Fame and shock. Yeah. So it's just like I, I, I took heat for that, and I, I, I couldn't do nothing but accept it. How did that shit feel, man? Like, cause. That shit man, was like. Man, let me tell you something. I, I, <laughs> I don't. Anybody that listens to the Brilliant Idiots podcast or hear me on the Breakfast Club, I always say the last thing you want is the wrath of black women. Yes. You don't want ten crystals, ten Jamela Lemuse, mm -mm. ten Angela Rice mm -mm. on your ass. Mm -mm. You do not want that. And no. I had been saying that for years. How many times I used to tell y'all that wax? Tell Andrew, <laughs> chill out. That's not what you want. Right, right. I end up being the one that took that hurricane black woman heat. It's a different kind of heat. What'd you do, my dude? Like, how that feel? Nothing I could do. Yeah, you had I just, to write I mean, that shit I out? To, I, not, not only did I have to write it out, I just had to let women know, like, I didn't, that's not what I meant. It wasn't you know? the intent. That wasn't the intent. And, and don't get me wrong, it's a lot of women that got it. That's right. how I, and, and I love, I, would, I wouldn't change anything about that situation because that's how I met Angela. Right. Angela was one of the people that, people were tweeting me like, yo, do you know who Angela Rye is? And then me and Angela Rye connected 
that night and we've been like it's like I, I consider her like my amazing, sister for real like, sister. come on man like that's my she works out with my wife like that's amazing sister. she keeps me on point like yeah. we talk every day i call her general rye like we talk every day that's my people so i wouldn't change anything because i met her through that situation right. but it's just not a good feeling when your sisters are saying things like you hate black women i'm like what here we go like that's I, yo i don't you you say you can say whatever you right, want right, about right. me. You want to like fuck with me? That shit fucks with me because it's that's your, that's your sisters. Like my wife is black. Country. I know the internet says she's white, but she's a <laughs> she ain't no not even Tyrese black. Like black. <laughs> she's black. Black <laughs> with with faux dreads. Like black. I got two black daughters. Yeah. Like my mom, my aunt. But it's, a, it's 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 been interesting, you know. Uh, it's been interesting just watching women the past couple of years because it's a lot of things that I've been realizing about women, especially women of color, that I just didn't know. Man, like, this whole black fem feminist movement has been very enlightening, man. Very like, enlightening. Just in terms of like how they've been left out or how they feel like feminism as a whole wasn't meant for them. And Jack, I never and, knew. And then just even seeing, like, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's crazy in 2017 seeing the shit that brothers be tweeting about sisters. And I'm not trying to be on like this soapbox, yeah. but I didn't know there was this much hate I think a lot Amongst of that, us. I think a lot of that is just for bullshit. I really you think, think so. I, like motherfuckers I, be saying some foul shit saying on, some on foul social shit. media. Be they be saying like, some foul to, shit. To be some to be yeah. some grown quote unquote grown black men. You like you really saying this shit, my nigga, in public? Yeah, and I'm gonna be honest. Like I, I, I I've told a lot of black women this. I didn't know that black women were hurting the way that they were hurting. Yes. And, and the only reason I didn't know that is because in my life, the strongest people have always been. The women, but, my and grandma, and, my mom, right. my aunt, like. That. But the flip side is, even though we black men, we still men, so still we still men. have that privilege. Yeah, yeah, of, You know that absolutely. male privilege absolutely. of not knowing how sexism has invaded our absolutely. views. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, think about it. You could see somebody like Oprah, and you'd be like, "Man, Oprah got ass." Like, you know, like <laughs> the, fir the first thing you do is objectify Oprah, <laughs> fucking Winfrey. You know, I've, I've never done that. Have you, you never looked at Oprah's ass? I've never looked at Oprah's ass, man. Yeah, I, I haven't either. You have, you have. No, Kings in the back, like, nah, yeah. I did the Michelle Obama though. I mean, Michelle Obama. Come on hey, now, oh, yeah, Obama. I did the Michelle. Hey, Come Michelle. On now. With all due respect. Hey, first with lady. All respect. With all due respect. Hey, with all due respect. With all due respect, Michelle Obama got ass. Facts. Okay. With all due respect. Yo, yo. You know how long has it been since you've been on the Breakfast Club? Seven years. Seven years. Wow. What does it take to consistently be on top, man? Consistency. That's exactly what Which it is, takes. What, what's that? What does that mean? Consistency is a uh, consistency is just always putting out, and you can't even say always putting out top product because you really don't know what's going to go. Sometimes your shit doesn't hit. You just don't. Sometimes right. shit don't hit. But then when you hit, it's out, and you don't. You never know. You can never predict put some it. respect on my like when the shit hits. Never thought, never, never ever saw that coming, and right. you can't even script shit like that. Right. Like there's nothing you can do to script something like that. And it's so funny because everybody always talks about that moment. That moment just happened because I would always be saying, "Yo, why would you sign the bird man when he has a history of not paying his artists? Like that's just not good business to me." And then I would, you know, of course we'd all make jokes about him kissing Little Wayne. That's like the hip hop notebook. Of course. So he literally had. He, they called me two weeks prior to that. Two weeks. Malcolm from Universal. He's like, yo, Birdman wants to come on such and such date. He wants to make sure you're there. I'm like, I'm going to be there. I told Envy and Angela. So yeah, Birdman wants to come in a couple weeks. You know he's going to be looking for his moment. It's, it's, he's going to be looking for his moment. And that's exactly what he did. I just didn't know it was going to be that amazing. You know how amazing that Birdman moment was? Man. Do you know what? I mean, that's... that's, that's that does, went, any, does anybody remember what happened the day before that Birdman interview? No, what happened the day before? Nobody remembers, huh? Think about it. I mean, I... Was the day before? 
Prince died. All oh, right, Prince. Right. I always thought Prince could stop the world the way Michael Jackson did. Prince died. I remember when Prince died that day because we was at the MTV Upfronts and we we pre-taped most interviews. We pre-taped pre-tape all our interviews. It's yeah, no yeah, secret. We yeah. do them the day before. So we pre-taped Birdman the day before. So I knew I was sitting on this, but I just didn't know. I hadn't watched the video to get all the nuances of him folding his arms and even hearing the respect. I didn't catch all of that. Put some respect. On I didn't it. catch all of right, that. Right. So. I'm like, I know we sitting is on we something. Done or is we... <laughs> yeah. And it was two minutes and 20 seconds long. I knew we were sitting on something that was going to have people ride up. Right. But when Prince died, I'm like, man, ain't nobody going to care about this shit tomorrow. I literally Yo, said that. It I was, was like, record time. Record. <sighs> Bye, Prince. God it... bless Prince. But it was all about Bird, Bird Man. Yeah. Like, literally, it took over the internet. And I, that's the way I thought Prince's death would take over that's, the that's internet. That's crazy, man. Yeah. That's crazy. Nobody remembers that. Prince yeah. died the day before that. That's crazy. How's it feel? Though? And that was the same week of Hillary's hot sauce. That's Yeah, that's crazy. Hillary hot sauce was yeah, Monday. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that Birdman was, a, was Friday. That was, that was a fire week, my dude. That was a fire week. <laughs> that was a fire week. How do you feel, though, <laughs> man, when you're minding your business? When you're not even trying to stir the pot? When you're not even doing the Breakfast Club or, or Brilliant Idiots or, or, or Uncommon Sense and somebody pulls you into a major like, event, like Drake pulling you in between mm -hmm. the beef with him and, and Meek, and, and, and then your name is on the hottest record right now. Right now. Like, how, how do you feel when you, I look, you wake up? Like, I didn't do shit to be that. in this. Listen, that was a, that was, um, that's actually a situation I'm talking about in my next book, because yeah. my next book is going to be all about radio and like um, interviews and you know thought process that went into certain interviews, things that happened behind the scenes in interviews. The Drake situation happened because I didn't want to make another Floyd Mayweather mistake. Right. Because Floyd Mayweather, to me, when remember when everybody was clowning him about not being able to yes. read and Jimmy Kimmel yes, and yes, 50 yes, Cent yes. was like, we'll give you a million dollars if you can read yes. Cat in the Hat or whatever. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, my producer at the time, Sasha, salute to Sasha. Sasha that that originated from you, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Sasha was like, yo, you know, we got, uh, we got Floyd Mayweather in here reading drops. I'm like, well, all right, let me hear him. So I'm hearing him and it's like horrible. And I'm like... Oh shit, we going on the radio with that right now. Everybody, Envy, Angela, Sasha, our producer at the time, Q, they was like, no, you're not playing this. I'm like, fuck that. We got a show to do. We got a fight to sell. It didn't come from a good place at all. Right. I, I, didn't, I didn't have no intention with that audio other than to get attention, other than to get the blogs talking. And I, I don't, I never move like that. Like never. Like that's never my intent. But in that moment, I got so emotional with them telling me no, because I thought I was like, y'all getting pussy, y'all getting soft, y'all letting this syndication change us, yada, yada, yada. Boom, made them play it, we played it, and it just didn't feel good. Right. I didn't get reprimanded for it, I didn't get in no trouble, I didn't get no death threats, no nothing. It just didn't feel good. So with the Drake situation, I don't even remember how many, I might have been a couple years later, the Drake situation, all those vocals, those, those ghost writing, what do you call them, reference tracks, references, yeah. I got, I had those. Right. Mm. I had those. Are you so, sitting on that? Somebody sent me those. Right. And I said to myself, I called two people. I called, uh, I called one person who I didn't even know was a close friend of Drake. I didn't even know. This is just somebody that I go to. You know, when I'm, when I'm, when I want, when I got questions, this is somebody that I go to. We all know her, but I'm not gonna say her name. Salute to her though. She knows who she is. So I went to her, and she was like, "Well, you know, you, you know how you felt after the Floyd thing, yeah? You know, she was like, you know, I don't think that's a." That's a good idea. She was like, you know, you know, you know what could happen from that. So then I reached out to Jay Prince. I hit Jay Prince like, yo. OG Jay Prince. I sent I sent him the vocals. I'm like, look, man, this is what somebody just sent me. Just letting y'all know this could come down the pipeline. I don't want nothing to do. Right, right. Period. So I guess from that, that's where he decided to 
put my name in the, in the record. So that was speak. strategically amazing. So that shit went up the ladder. Like, yo, you know, the homie. Yeah. That's dope. You know? So that was a great moment. Like, that, that's when you feel like, because uh, I grew up listening to people like Jay-Z saying for the millionth time asking me questions like Wendy Williams yeah. harassing me. You know what I mean? I grew up off, you know, Tupac saying, you know, Jay-Z would say, yo, my star's mad. I want Grant. I'm an interview. Like, like, I grew up off Tupac dissing Wendy and Will dissing Wendy. Like, yes. that's a big deal to be immortalized. In a record. In a record. And I still say Back to Back is a top five diss track of all time. Of simply course. because. Of the effect. Of the effect. You've like, never seen something never like seen that, that ever. That was the first time a record created those kind of memes. Like, yes. you see it all the time now. Like, Remy comes out with Sheeta. Absolutely. Remy comes out with Sheeta. You see those type of memes. You see it now. But back then, you didn't see that. Like, that was the first of its kind. So yeah. that was just a dope moment. The Floyd Mayweather thing, is that the only time you ever said to yourself, damn, I might have gone too far? Uh, it wasn't even that I went too far. Uh, I just felt bad. Right. But, but feeling bad means, to me, if I feel bad, it's like I, I shouldn't have I done shouldn't that. I shouldn't have did that. I went too far. You, you, you know what I mean? Um, people make me feel like that about Lil Mama. Right. You know Looking what I mean? Looking back, man, do, do, you, do you feel bad about that? Uh, hey, I'm going to tell you why I don't. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you why I don't. Cause I'm an ass. I can be an asshole by mistake. Of course. And, and we were sitting in a bar. Me, Angela Yee, and Claudia Jordan. Angela looks at her phone and she goes, "Oh, little mama wants to come on the show tomorrow." I'm drunk. I go, "I'm gonna make little mama cry." I swear. <laughs> I, I was bullshitting. I just said that. I was just bullshitting. You put it out in the yeah. universe, right? And then Angela goes, Angela goes, "Ah, right, well, she knows you like to clown on her. She wants to make jokes back, whatever, whatever." I'm like, "All right, cool. We gonna Jones. She from she from Brooklyn, right? Uh, what, I was like, I know, I know. <laughs> little mama can Jones." So when she came in, I'm on it like that. You ready? You game ready? I got jokes. You game ready? And she tried to fire some back. Mine was just a little bit better. And then Angela comes, God bless the dead, bringing up her deceased mother. Uh, and then that's when the waterworks came. Uh, and that's when, if you watched it, if you watched the full interview and not just the snippets of me going in, that's when my whole attitude changed. Right, and right, I'm right. like, little mama, man, you, you, this is how you can get more respect, and this is the type of thing. But it was too late. It was too late. It was too late. And so now it's like. Right now, you'll hear people, you'll hear black women be like, "Oh, Charlemagne hates black women." And I I'm saw like, that shit yesterday, and I'm like, "How?" I saw the little mama shit reference like, to you yesterday. They like every day but you, you know, go, we don't win I, it. I think I think what it is too. You have such a poise about you, like you don't show that that much emotion. Yeah. So that might come off as, as like, "Oh, he just in his moment. Yeah, he don't yeah, give yeah. no fucks." That's true. But you just you just pay attention to everything. I think that that's what. I gotta be alert. Yeah, and I think that's that's the, one of the dopest characteristics of of what you do. I gotta be alert when Birdman says like, you know. I'm pulling up on you. I'm like, nigga, did you pull up on Rick Ross and trick like that? I gotta, <laughs> oh, that was so sharp. Too, I gotta bro. be alert. I gotta be alert. I gotta yo, yo, is, is and that, you don't is, see it. You don't is, see that. Like, you know, usually a personality, you see the build up yeah. to the emotion. Like, oh, he about to say some. You just standing like, and yo, then you hit a bomb. Is that like, that ah. ginkgo biloba, man? Is, is that what it is, man? I mean, it's that, but I've been through worse. Yeah. Mm. Like, I've I've been through worse. I've been beaten up. I was, I've had guns pulled on me. Like, what's the worst that's gonna happen? Are we gonna fight? You can get shot. Get shot. Man. I mean, Please don't put that on me. No, but no, 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 no. Yo, you a bad motherfucker. You shoot me in the studio. You that's that's a viral video you know, for you, your you, ass. You ready? Like, you ready? Like, if you shoot in that studio, you don't give a fuck. No fuck. Who is you? You deserve to sell five million records. Like it's the '90s and you're getting rewarded for violence. Like if yeah. you shoot in the studio, yeah, you shit you know, with all them cameras, man. What? L listen, man. Let's, we, we could go on forever, man. Yo, let, man. Let, what? C continue. Should I, I, I yo, stop it? Pause. Brilliant idiots, man. Yeah. <laughs> People look at you. I look at you. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yo, you're accomplished. I'm saying in all these other media platforms, why invest so much time in the podcast? 
podcast world is booming. Why not? You know, and the podcast is a platform that we own. Yes. They can never fire us from this mm. camp, Jack. Yes. They can't fire us from the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's our I shit. Got no jo- I got no jobs right now. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And I'm like, I, I was with the dude, what's, what's the brother name that do Pod Saves America? John uh, Favreau? Yes. He says he does a million plus a week listens. He said, that's all I do. He said, that's all, he said, that's all I do. I do this in appearances. So it's just like, for me, I like controlling platforms. I want to have places that we can always have a voice. I want to have places that we can always have a narrative. I've been fired four times from terrestrial radio. Nowadays, in 2017, you fire me tomorrow, the only thing that's going to stop is a little bit of money. But I got so much other revenue streams yes, coming sir. in and so many different outlets. Yes, and I'm going to still have a voice. Because the podcast, in a lot of cases, is just as powerful as, mm-hmm. you know, the radio, I if mean, not we, more. We, we've seen it. Absolutely. We've so, seen it. So it's like, for me, like, Chris Moreau is a very smart dude. Chris yes. Moreau told me two things that I need to do, and he was absolutely right. He kept being on me about doing a podcast, do a podcast, do a podcast, do a podcast. Were you Initially, were you intrigued, or were you like, I don't have time for that? I really, I was on some bougie radio shit. Right, right. Like, I do radio. What the fuck am I do a podcast for? Like, that really was my mindset. And then I was just like, let me stop being a fucking know-it-all. And let me see what this podcast thing is really about. And plus, you know, Andrew is a, a, a friend of mine. And I always thought Andrew had very interesting conversation. I thought he's funny. And I knew that he was looking to have more of a voice outside of, like, stand-up comedy. So I'm like, yo, let's do the podcast together. Because initially I wanted to do it with a, a, a white girl named Jessie Mae Peluso. And she, she used to be on Girl Code, and I really like Jessie Mae. But Jessie Mae just, I don't know, she didn't have time. She don't live on this coast, whatever. Andrew's right here in New right, York. Right. Let's get it done. And we did the first one. The first one we did was with Jazz Fly. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it just, it was like an immediate thing, like 20,000 listens. I'm like, oh, people really listen to Damn, this Damn, it took shit. us four years to get, like, <laughs> took us four years to get to it. <laughs> but it just, it just took off real quick. And yeah. Like I said, it's just a platform that we control. Yeah. It's a platform that we own. We're able to have the voice. We're able to control our own narratives. And it's just like more of an intimate thing in Breakfast Club. You know, like you can sit here and expound on things that happened on the Breakfast Club. Like it's, you can get into a a more deeper, long-form conversation that I just like. Now, it, it seems like recently, man, like the, 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 the is there a tension between you and Andrew, man? Um, not a tension. I mean, when you're really friends with somebody, you're going to bump heads. And right. it's just like, now is, like I, like I told him, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we got into it on the podcast. We had the exorcism of Alt-Right Andy. Yes. You know? But that is the kind of uh, energy that has happened in the past year in this country. I feel like the consciousness of the country really changed. And like, if you're sitting around taking in a lot of this warped conservative rhetoric, and the reason I call it warped conservative rhetoric, because I don't even think this is traditional conservative you know, rhetoric. Conservatives are like, what the That's fuck? That's what I'm trying to say. They're like, what the That's fuck? That's what I'm saying. Like, I, conservatives I, are looking at Trump saying. like, what? Are you, are you exactly. serious? Exactly. So I know, I know conservatives. Yes. I know Republicans. I got friends that are Republicans. We talk about this kind of stuff. They're just like you just said. They're, they're embarrassed. Like, they're embarrassed. Like, what the fuck is this Donald and, Trump? And thing? he's killing their party. Absolutely. In the long run. So if you just got into politics, right? And you just started doing research, and this is the kind of information you're taking in, you're taking in poison. Yeah, you don't even know. You don't even know what you're taking in. And right. I and like I just I thought I saw Andrew, I felt like he was going down a bad path. Like they was putting him in the same bracket as the Tommy Lawrence and the Milo's uh, yeah, yeah. and the Richard Spencer's. Yeah. The Richard Spencer. And then I'm like, yo, and I told him the same thing. If you're saying things just like for them. shock value, you're going to crash and fucking burn. Period. Like, yo, get back to just being the honest Andrew, the funny Andrew that disrespect, we know. Disrespect. Just be disrespectful. You can still have Don't your- Don't be disrespectful and say all that crazy shit. That's it. Shit. That's yeah. it. And, and it seemed like every 
Every issue that was, he didn't even realize he was doing that. Right. Every issue that was black, he'd be against. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't, just subconsciously. But it's because he's trying to look at it from another angle other than race. Right. So he'd always be trying to find that alternate angle. He's trying to, to be, he's trying to be the devil's advocate. The white but, devil's but, but, advocate. But, but, but it doesn't work if what you're saying is that poison. Yes, mm. absolutely. Because it's not coming, I don't think it's, and there's nothing wrong with making people see all sides, but right. you got to understand how people's perception of that will be. People's perception of that will be like, you always got something to say negative about black people and black issues. And it's like, I got to defend this man's character because I know him. I don't know the perception of him. I know doesn't that put him. you doesn't that put you in harm's way though? Um, because yeah. motherfuckers is like, oh, Charlemagne is Charlemagne's is, giving him the platform. Exactly. Charlemagne created this monster. Exactly. Yada yada yada. Well, yeah, absolutely. But you know, that's why he's my friend, and I have to have this real conversation. Once I have this real conversation with you, if I don't see you actually trying to change and see what other people are coming from, then that's where we have a problem. Right. Like that happened. Like I tell this, I, I had this conversation at, at iHeart last week. We was talking about the the Pepsi commercial. Yes. With Kendall Jenner, mm -hmm. and somebody yeah. somebody tweeted me something like, "Oh, Charlemagne's not even going to touch this because of his corporate interests." And I retweeted like, "I don't even give it. I don't give a shit about Pepsi. I don't drink Pepsi. Yeah. I don't drink soda. Yeah. My, you see how my skin look? I don't drink no damn soda. <laughs> so this ain't bleach. Exactly. It's soda. Exactly. It's a lot of water. <laughs> so uh, you know they got up. Some people got upset about that. You know, and I said to them, "Why don't you worry about the people who are actually offended by the Pepsi commercial? Because those are the people who actually buy the Pepsi product." Yeah. If people stop buying Pepsi, it don't matter how many ads they run. So my whole thing is we got to start stop, stop, stop dismissing people when they're offended. We can't just call it fake outrage. Let's try to see if there's really something there. Like, why are you upset? Because they're probably upset for a real reason. Yeah. And the fact that you're ignoring that real reason is just making them more upset. Means you're an asshole. You're being an asshole. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like that was my whole thing. Like, see things from all angles, but just don't take sides with this angle and totally dismiss this angle because then it looks like you're riding for the old right. Hey, yo, yo, internets. We back. The weekly drop is back, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes and SoundCloud. It's your boy A-King with my homie, my ace, B-side underscore anthems, and we bring it to you every week, the weekly drop. Add us on Instagram, too, weekly drop pod and on Twitter and all that, all right? The only cosign that matters, the weekly drop. How's married life, man? I love it. Yeah. Greatest thing in the world. Like I saw T.I. say, uh, T.I. said marriage makes him feel less focused or it's a distraction. It's the exact opposite for me. Right. I feel more focused. You know, what, 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 what distracts you is when you out here trying to play. Yes, sir. You know what I mean? Like all I do is I work and I go home to my family and that's when the bags roll in. The bags roll in when you're really moving the when you're right in a, way. Well, when you're in a good space also, because I don't yeah. know necessarily what T.I. was talking about. That's true. But it sounds like maybe there was some energy that's blockage that's in true. his household. That's true. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah, you, 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 you understand 100%. what I'm saying? I, you know what? You're absolutely right. So I can't say what his situation right. was like, because marriage is just the title. Of course. It's a lot of it, inner it, work. It depends on what that relationship is. Absolutely. And how that energy is. And, 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 and I'm actually kind of, you know, uh, kind of baffled because... You don't hear that many people marrying their high school sweetheart, man. Yeah, I've been with my wife since 1998. That's crazy. First man. time I ever filled out internship papers at a radio station. My wife took me down there in a little brown Datsun, you know what I mean, two door Datsun, took me down to the radio station to fill out the internship papers. Like, so she's been with me every step of the way. Like, it's dope now because, like, she's next week I go on my book tour. 
like she's with me on every date. Right, that's, that's dope. Because I just think that's a, that's dope. The experience with you know, the person you love. Like, and she really has been with me through every moment. She doesn't give a fuck who Charlemagne is. She, she, she don't even say that shit. Yeah. <laughs> she, she calls you a real name. You call her that around me, she'd be like, oh, Lenard. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck you talking about. She don't play that shit at yeah. all. Like, not even a little bit, you know? And right. it's just like, I, just, I love being married. Like, I love being a father. That's the most fulfilling thing in my life right now. The most fulfilling thing in my life is being a father, being a husband, and using these platforms to get the messages out to people that I feel like they need to be received. Right. And you know, you got to give people a chance to grow. Like, I hate when motherfuckers keep trying to bring me back to shit I did seven years ago. Like, I ain't that person no shit more. Shit I did a year ago. A year ago. Like, shit come I did on, two man. months ago. Like, you know what I'm saying? On, like, like, like every every day is growth, um, man. Every day is growth. Malcolm yeah. X was once Malcolm Little. Exactly. Not, not saying that's Malcolm who I am Red, at all. Red. Malcolm Red. I'm just yes, saying, sir. you got to give people a chance to evolve. Like, stop trying to, stop telling me what I am. Stop telling me what I'm going to be. Like, you don't know me in any way, shape, or form. You just have a perception of me. So just sit back, relax, and continue to enjoy the show and watch me grow. What was it that took, because you had been with her for a while, man. Like, what was it that made you say, you know what, at this point, I'm getting married. Like, after years. Like, you had, you, had, you, had, you had kids with her, right? Yeah, we had a daughter. A daughter, um, yeah. We got two now, but yeah. I talk about that in the book as well. I mean, it was, it was a number of things. It was just more like, this is the person who's been down with me. Who's was been, there a point? Cutting you off, was there a point where you're like, I might not marry her? Yeah, when she wasn't living here and, you know, the Breakfast Club had just started to grow and I was out here getting all this pussy. It's popping. It's popping. Getting out my head getting all that smell, that new New York smell, man. Oh, my God. And that's why I asked you that before with the incident at the, with Dwayne Reed or something? Yeah, yeah. Respectfully, I was like, you know, would you marry? Yeah, you know, maybe, I was maybe you, you know, might have slid in somebody DM and, you know, <laughs> that might have been somebody, you know, <laughs> yo. Whoosh. You never know. I was, listen, the first three years of the Breakfast Club, I was wild. Yes, sir. I was running through New York wild. As you should have. I remember I passed out on the studio floor dehydrated. I had to go to the, the emergency Man, room you, and get, you, get fluids. Dropping all them loads, my I, nigga. I was, I was <laughs> fucked up. And Angela Yee was giving me so much shit because I was like, first person to call, like, call my girl, man. She in South Carolina, call my girl, whatever, whatever. So at, around that time, and that's, that's what you call distractions. That's poison. Yes. Like, yeah. I'm out here, I'm drinking, I'm smoking, I'm fucking all these chicks. I'm having a good time. Like, I'm my man, my wife and daughter in South Carolina, like, who the, who the fuck are you, nigga? You better get your fucking life together and be a man, really get this And she stood by you. She didn't know. Okay. She know now. She know now. I had to come clean. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I'm really trying to change. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? You, you got to come clean. I got to come clean. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I had to talk about it in the book. I had to come all the way clean. What'd she say? She kind of knew, yeah. in a way. You know what I mean? She it don't kinda, matter now, though. The checks go to her, right? right? I mean, now it was just, you know, like, like, listen, man, your woman don't love you if she's not, like, not your parole officer. Yes. She on me. Phone check, piss test, like, you know. FaceTime. FaceTime. What's up? Where you at? What's up? It's good, you know. I, I know what it is. She may not tell me. Yeah, yeah, but you but, know what it yeah, is. Yeah, but, but, you, but you've been to jail before. Exactly. But, but, but one thing I try not to do, because I do find this more enjoyable, and I thank Kevin Lyles for this. Uh, I was, we was in the Bahamas one time, and I remember Kevin Lyles saying to me, Charlamagne, I can't tell you to get married, but I can tell you to find somebody to share your experiences with. Yes. He was like, yo, you got it. He was like, I know you feel like you've been in the game a long time, but your career is just starting. Yes. This was this was like 2011, mm -hmm. like maybe 2000. Like we had only been in the school like a year. He was like, your career is just starting. He was like, I see where you're going. I see your trajectory. He was like, I'm telling you, find somebody to share your life experiences with. And what made that so dope is this year over the holidays, we all in Anguilla. 
I got the team out there. I got my wife, Wax, Paige. We all out there. It's family, friends. We having a good time. And Kev was out there. Wow. With his woman yeah. and his kids. And I was just looking like, damn, Kev. You remember when you told me to find somebody Prophetic, to share right? my yeah, experiences yeah, with? Yeah. That's dope. I talk about that in the book because it, it, it just made me realize, like, one thing that we have to start doing is just listening to our OGs because they did it already. Mm-hmm. Everything we could think about possibly doing, they've been through from relationships to your career, business, everything. So you got to listen. So me listening to him, that was one of the things that sparked it. And then also, like, I was going through her diary one day the way she would probably go through my phone. And I just saw her writing things like, yo, why all my friends getting married? Why you don't want to marry me? I'm not good enough. Then you got your daughter coming to you saying things like, why you and mommy don't got the same last name? So you feel like a complete piece of shit. Like, you ain't no man. Like, you're not a man, bro. Like, you're a man when you bring all of this together, when you bring that, you know, you the knowledge, you bring that wisdom and understanding together and you make that happy home. Now you a man. Now you got something. So, I like I said, I don't know what T.I. went through, but I know for me, marriage is... Focus. Marriage makes me focus so fucking much. Marriage better than Adderall. Yes, sir. There you Straight go. up. There you go. What do you say? Last question, man. What do you say to people that don't know you, man? Like, I haven't always agreed with you, but I've always mm-hmm. respected you. But what do you say to the people that really feel like they hate you? What do you say to them, man? They'll be all right. Because, yeah. you know, I talk about that in the book. The rule of 10. Three people going to like you. Three people not going to like you. Four people just going to be on the fence about you. You know, the people that I care about liking me are the people that actually know me. That's when I know something's wrong. Like, the people that actually know me, like, that I talk to and I have conversations with, that I build with, if, if they telling me, yo, you moving foul, you moving fucked up, I really take that into consideration. I don't take the social media chatter into consideration too much because they only see a perception of me. Right. You know, they don't know my true... They don't know my true character, and they choose to see what they want to of see. Of course. You know, so I can't really be focused on that. And my, my, my father always told me, you're never as good as they say you are, and you're never as bad as they say you are. So I can't really focus. And your father's a wise man, dude. He is. You said a, he's part pimp, man? He, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. My father matches everything. Red leather, purple leather, blue <laughs> yeah. leather. Green da- leather. Green leather. Uh, everything. Turquoise. Everything. You got turquoise. Everything. Yeah. So God bless every God bless everybody that don't like me too. I, I, yes. Listen, I like all the feedback. Of course. I love it all. And I can't wait to get feedback on this book. It's my first book, Black Privilege. Opportunity comes to those who created eight principles. April 18th, April right? April 18th. Eight principles that I learned in my life that I want to share with the people. Cop that. Cop it, man. Cop it, man. Let's make I'm gonna sure. be in Brooklyn um, on Monday, on the 17th. I don't know when this is coming out. Um, this coming out tonight. Tonight. Yeah, oh, tonight. all right. Well, I'm gonna be in Brooklyn mm-hmm. uh, at Powerhouse Arena. Okay, I love that. I love that show. 7 p.m. Um, yeah. Dumbo. Got, yep, Dumbo. I got Angela Rye moderating okay. that. Nice. Yes, I saw and, that. Yep. And on yep. April 18th, I'll be at the Barnes and Nobles on Fifth Avenue at 12:30, signing copies of the book. There and you then go. I, and I'll be in LA on 4:20, which will be great. Uh-huh. Mm. And I got mm. I got Carrie Champion from ESPN nice. moderating that nice. one. I'll be at the Grove, the Barnes nice. and Nobles at the Grove. Nice man. Good luck with yep. that, man. Thank you. Absolute last question, man. Who's your top five of all time? MCs. Okay, I got all time. Of all time, I got to order. I got a seven. You can't have a seven. You got. You got. You got to have a five five and and two bonus, or just five. Five and honorable mentions. I always say seven because seven is God's number. No. Okay. No. So can I do my five and the two honorable mentions? Yes, you can. My favorite MC of all time is Ghostface Killer. Mm. That's my favorite. That's, that's my, my that's my rap spirit animal. That's my personal favorite MC of all time, Ghostface Killer. Yes. Then it's Sean Carter. Mm-hmm. Of course. Uh, then it's Nasir Jones. Mm-hmm. Then it's um uh uh 
T.I., mm-hmm. Clifford Harris. Wow. Yeah, I'm from the South, though. Yes. So I grew up off, you know, you know I'm serious. Rubber, rubber band album, man. Trap yeah. music, yeah. You know, the In the Streets mixtapes. Like, T.I. is a real wow. lyrical dude. Yes, he is. You got to think yeah. about that's, that's a great, that's a great one right yeah. there. Yeah, and, 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 and Jeezy. Jeezy. I love Jeezy. Yes. I, I grew up in that. I, I said I grew up in South Carolina. I grew up, when, I grew up when the feds was coming through, picking up everybody from South Carolina to Georgia. Like, Jeezy is not the greatest lyricist, but he's like, and people get mad when I say this, but he's Tupac. like, Tupac. in a way. Tupac wasn't the greatest lyricist, lyricist, but he made you understand you what felt he felt. Him. Yes. You yeah. felt him. That's a great top five, and, and my two honorable mentions are, are Killer Mike and Scarface. That's my those I can die with all of their catalogs. I'm good with I'm, them. I'm not even mad at that. I'm man. good with them. Actually, we've never been mad at anybody's. Nah, top that's five, a dope. That's that's, that's, a, that's great, a very dope. Top, that's yeah. a great top five. Top man. Seven. Charlemagne, man, thanks for coming through, man. Thank thanks you, for my all brother. the support that you've given us for the Combat Jasher for the Loudspeakers Network, Absolutely. man. Absolutely. Continued success, man. Anytime, man. Give me a call. Yes. Let's do it, man. Thank you, sir. King. Yo, you know what? I tweeted something last week. I think uh, how dope you two. In this whole, like, I look up to y'all. Serious. Like, it ain't Thank even about brother. the loudspeakers network. It's just even though I, I, I say some foul shit to you sometimes, my nigga. It's just you're because weirdo. You, but, you, I, but, I, but, but I know you're weirdo. It's like wax knows the weirdo <laughs> shit that Charlamagne does. I'm sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? But Absolutely. nah, I admire you guys, and I think you know you guys are very important voices. You know what I mean? You. When you talk about the youth and and how they're like misguided and they don't have OGs, they don't have. Like you guys are that, you thank know what I mean. I just hope oh, that you, that 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 there's more voices that come behind you, pause, or that you inspire people that's in your league to uh, to continue the good work, man. Thank you, King. Yes, Richard sir. Nets, Black Privilege, man. Yeah. In the stores, April 18th. Yeah. Yep. Mogul, Life and Death of Chris Lighty coming mm. out. Oh, I this can't month, wait to hear that. I can't. 27th. We're about to wait. raise the bar and change the game again. Yeah. But listen, it's, it's, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. That listen. right there too. What? You heard the first internet. Internet. I heard more than the first, but I'm just saying. Listen, man, if you really doing this shit and, and, and doing good for the culture, if you, you got good intentions, you got to think about the next wave in your contributions to the culture. Yes, sir. You can't just be doing, yo, I'm going to do pop culture. We're going to talk about gossip. That shit is already dealt with, man. We got to talk about the stories of our heroes. Yes. Chris Lighty. Yes. Yes, sir. Huh? Even if y'all don't know who Chris Lighty is, man, just wait for this six-part series that's coming out. It's a joint venture between Loudspeakers Network, Gimlet yes. Media, and Spotify. April 27th, we're about to change the game. And that's I all I got to say. That's all I got to say, man. How long is each one? Um, it's about 45 minutes each episode. I can't wait. Man. Yes, sir. And that's it. We're about to change the game. Enough. You know what it is. Dream those dreams. And then man up, woman up, and live those dreams. Because a life without dreams is black and white, and the universe flows in technicolor and surround sound. Internet, let's go. Continue to raise the bar. Blah. Hey, yo, Internet, thanks again to this episode sponsor, J. Cole, for your eyes only. A Dreamville film. The Grammy-nominated hip-hop star's second HBO special, which debuts this Saturday, April 15th, at 10 p.m. Eastern at 11 p.m. Pacific. This exclusive presentation is a multi-narrative show that combines music performances with intimate interviews documented through Cold's lenses. This special showcases songs from his fourth album, as well as revealing footage containing the heartfelt confessions, concerns, and struggles of people from the South. Tune in Saturday, this Saturday, April 15th, at 10 p.m. Eastern at 11 p.m. Pacific for the premiere of J. Cole, For Your Eyes Only, a Dreamville film exclusively on HBO. Let's go, Internet. This episode of the Combat Jack Show is produced by Jonathan Mena, executive produced by A. King, and this is an official Loudspeakers Network production. <laughs>